Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on a Taco Tuesday. Good morning, kids. How are you doing? Taco Tuesday. That's the oh, first time is. I think I've heard you say that. It is a Taco Tuesday, is it not? Okay, where it are is. the tacos at? Yeah. Well, we have to wait till next week because apparently next Wednesday, October 4th, is National Taco Day. Oh, we, no, are, we are on the YouTube. Oh. Somebody uh, missed the ball. Somebody yeah, the ball I, I, I think so. Yeah, it shouldn't be. Yeah. On, it should be on a Tuesday. Like it's Thanksgiving definitely. is on a Thursday. There you go. Somebody, <laughs> somebody made a mistake there. They, they did. It shouldn't be on October fourth. It should be on like the what first Tuesday in October. There we go. If you're going to do it. Yep. Brooke is messing around with her camera so that you can see your face. Show us your face. I told you guys. When, every time I come in here after the fast lane, things are just absolutely nuts. CD, when I came in, the ca- this camera was pointed at the ceiling, and Randy, I said to Randy, I was like, what is going on with the camera? And he was like, oh, you know, they stand. I was like, do they stand on the ceiling? <laughs> we want to see what your is face. going on? Yeah, they, they, they have a good time in here. Yeah, they do. They, they mess yeah. around with the camera. So we uh, have the cameras too, up to uh, on the YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com and uh, search 101 ESPN STL, and you will be able to find us on video. We've got... Uh, Let's see, John Kelly joining us at 8 o'clock, 8.15 actually, and Claves at 9.15 as the Cardinals start their final road series of the season tonight in Milwaukee. Oh, by the way, I should tell you, it's 7.02, and your time check's brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Anybody crushed that the Cardinals are starting their final road series of the year? Anybody going to be missing this? I'm going to go to the, the finale, the last game of the yeah. year. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Go yeah. check them out. See Adam they... Wainwright will get a dab bat. Yeah, mm-hmm. should be uh, should be something to look forward to. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued. Well, I'm not really intrigued. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I want to see how. I'm not tri- intrigued at all about this series. And by the way, this is not a series. I know that there are those in the listening audience or those in the room that uh, like to question the Cardinal skipper Ollie Marmol. No, in but the in this room. In this room. No. Yeah. Where? No. Well. I'm not going to name names, Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I need a mirror. Oh, no. But here's the thing with Ollie. And, and Ollie has, he, he's growing. He's a young manager. But these last two months, ever since the trade deadline, he had absolutely nothing to do with, right? You can't manage the group of players that he's been given. You can't expect to win after the trade deadline, can you? I don't didn't expect them to win. No. No. After you traded away, you were sellers at the trade deadline. There was no there should have been no expectation for this team to have any success. I know everyone was holding on to, "Oh, you we can win 17 or we can win 11. We can do it." No, you couldn't. No. You, you traded away some really good players. Uh, based on their contract situation, pitchers, and you needed pitching. And so you kind of had to realize at that point, even prior to that point, based on the reason that you were sellers, mm-hmm. um, that this team was was going to struggle and, and has struggled. What I look at is, 
when they did have a chance, they played terrible defense. The pitching did not get better, and that is attributable to the manager and the pitching coach. They did have a, an inconsistent offense at times, and they had strange lineup decisions and strange bullpen decisions at times. I'm more inclined to look at April, May, June than I am to look at July, August, September with if I'm going to review his performance. Yeah, it just felt like they stumbled out of the gate and they could never really find any sort of ground and they weren't working together cohesively. Mm-hmm. It felt like that n- never came yeah. together. And I know that they said that the chemistry was well. And if you go to the clubhouse, the guys do all get along. So I get that. But sometimes I feel like there's a difference between getting along and having that team chemistry. CD, I'm sure you were part of some teams where guys yeah. got along in the locker room, yeah. but that didn't really translate to the <laughs> chemistry that you needed to win games. There's, I feel like a huge difference between those two things well, sometimes. Well, I've been on teams where we were best of friends. We just weren't good enough. Like It, it was not, we didn't play well enough. We didn't uh, follow the, the, you know, the game plan well enough. You just didn't show up when the time when you needed to show up in that specific moment. So you can like each other, but at the end of the day, you got to play well. And I think yeah. that this team has taken turns not playing well. Some it, it, It's mm-hmm. not the same person every day because if it was the same person, you just would remove that one guy. It's been multiple people, you know, not fielding correctly early in the season, not hitting, lack of timely hitting, you know, throughout the season, not great starting pitching, not great relief pitching, but it's not been one specific person the entire time. And so when it's that way, it's like, what do you do? And I do think there's also just the, the underlying discomfort, whether it was the O'Neill situation earlier. And by the way, I don't think anybody in the clubhouse disagrees with what Ollie said about O'Neill. Just publicly, it caused a kerfuffle, right? Yeah. It did, among us as and as the fan base. And then you have the whole Contreras thing where it was handled the wrong way. I don't know what the Cardinals are going to say about it ultimately, but it was handled the wrong way. They should have just not said anything. Mm-hmm. And when... Uh, remember... Uh, Contreras had the the knee on opening day. He got hit by yeah. a Jordan Hicks pitch. Just if you're not going to catch him for a few days, say that um, you know it's he's not 100 percent or something yeah. like that. And he w- and they were already doing that yeah, is right. the thing. Yeah. That they were already doing yeah. that. And then, of course, the reporters start asking questions as to why we're not seeing Wilson Contreras mm-hmm. as much. Is this due to injury? It was like 33 games in, and you were seeing him less and less behind the plate. And so, of course, people would start questioning that. And then when you make a public statement, it changes day to day. We have your manager saying one thing, and then you have your pobo saying another thing the next day. It was handled so poorly, and I feel like that's something that's also adding another distraction when your team was already distracted and couldn't figure out how to come together as a group on on the field anyways. And if you are a young manager, ultimately you're going to learn that people in any walk of life, we're paid to talk, but people love to talk. So if you're going to... If you're going to be negative about anything within the organization to anybody, people are going to say, oh, did you hear what Ollie said about this? Or, oh, did you hear what Casey said about this? Dusty? No, not Casey. Dusty. I call him Casey Blake because he's a former <laughs> Major League Third Baseman. But it's, hey, did, did you hear what this? So if that's happening in the clubhouse where the players are hearing something different from him than he's saying to a teammate or a coach or something like that, that can cause consternation. I think there needs to be a level of consistency with what you say to people about your charges, about your players. Yeah, as a manager, your job is to lead the team, manage the team, make sure that there is 
when you have coaches that work under you or work with you, everyone has to speak the same terminology. Mm -hmm. Everyone Mm -hmm. has to have pretty much one brain, and that has to come from the top down. So if we're not all on the same page, I can't say one thing as a manager and and my boss is saying something different. We have to all be on the same page. Now, we don't always have to all agree. I may not agree Mm -hmm. if I'm I'm uh, Ali Marmol with with Mosaic, what he's saying, but this is what he's saying and this is what we're doing in this moment. So we have to all be on the same page or it looks like there's a fracture. There's something, yeah. a split and people can get in a between. Schism. Yeah. 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 Schism. 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 Oh, schism. there you go. People yeah. can yeah. start to get in to what's going on uh, with our, in our clubhouse. So yeah. you have to make sure that, you know, going into 2024, all of all the people that are saying things that have things to say are saying the exact same thing. Yeah, you can't have all those mixed messages. It felt like that was even outside of the kerfuffle in the Wilson mm-hmm. Contreras situation. There was a lot of Contreras mixed was message. A brouhaha. A brouhaha. Yeah. So we had the kerfuffle and the brouhaha. Yeah. You also had a lot of mixed messages, which is something that cannot happen when you're talking about fractures. That is showing fractures when people can't right. be on the same page with that, and you can't get your messages correctly yeah. correlated to media members. How are the players supposed to buy into right. that, too? Yep. Tonight, Zach with a K. Thompson. He takes on Doogie Hauser in Milwaukee. <laughs> and uh, that game can be seen at 640 on Bally Sports. Monday night football last night. Two games. Eagles over the Bucks, 25-11. to 11. And as it turns out, Nick Sirianni, who I kind of panned the hiring of by the Philadelphia Eagles. As it turns out, he's pretty good and he gets it. His team wins 25-11. to 11, And... Rather than trying to be great in game one or at your best in game two or at your best in game three, he's trying to peak for the playoffs. It's, you know, it's a, it's a growth process, right? I, we're not a final product yet. You know, no, one, no one, let me phrase that. Everybody wants us to be a final product now, but it's a growth. You want to grow every day. And so we're not going to be playing our best football until we get going into the season. We still got things to, to work on. We still got growth to do. Um, if you're truly in the mindset of getting better every day, right? If you're truly in that mindset of getting better every day, which I know, I know that we are it, it, on this team, you're going to continue to rise, and you're not, and you, you're going to keep getting better. And so, you know, are we playing our best offensive football right now? No, but we shouldn't be. We, we shouldn't be yet, and, and it's a growth. And, and so, and, and all the teams are growing. No one's playing the best football that they they should be playing right now. Cardinals are. Well, uh, yeah, they are. <laughs> they are. And, but here's the thing. I was going to hit that hit that point because that's a he's from um, Sirianni's tree. Jonathan Gannon is. Mm-hmm. You got yeah, you, right. you look at what Sirianni has done in a short span of time. You know, taking the team to the Super Bowl, having a a MVP candidate. You know, the 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 way that they've drafted over the last few years, um, the people that they've brought in. The people that have left, you got Shane Steichen, who was doing well mm-hmm. in Indianapolis, who was a disciple under under Sirianni. You got Jonathan Gannon, who has got those guys in Arizona playing well. Maybe Nick Sirianni, for as strange as people may have thought he was, or maybe you didn't like his first interview, or you didn't know what you were going to get from him, he is an intelligent football coach mm-hmm. and has an understanding of what this team needs to do in order to be successful. And as he said, we're not we're, we're not a finished product week three. We got a lot of things we still got to clean up, but they got a lot of guys mm-hmm. that can play football. Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis. They got the entire Jordan uh, Georgia defensive um, team from the last two years. Yeah. They, they have them on their <laughs> roster. <laughs> so they're pretty yeah. down going good. Yeah, and they knocked the Bucks from the ranks of the unbeaten. Meanwhile, the Bengals over the Rams 19-16 to with uh, – uh, 
Joe Burrow having a, a tough night. Jamar Chase had 12 catches for 141 yards. Bengals win it. And the Rams, and we were kind of looking at this before the show started, Matthew and I, the L.A. Rams with the most precipitous drop-off of any Super Bowl champion ever. It's amazing to think that one year ago right now, they were the defending Super Bowl champions, and they're just awful. They're just terrible. Don't you remember Matthew Stafford's wife said that he was having a hard time connecting mm-hmm. with the younger players? Is that what's going yeah. on? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Probably a lot more than that. But it, it is interesting to th- to see with that. I was more curious to watch Joe Burrow and how his progression is. How do you guys think? It To me, it looked like the calf injury is still hampering him a little bit. No doubt. But they still needed to come away with the win, and they did that. And he played, he said the, the prospect of going 0-3 was greater for him than the prospect of yeah. getting re-injured. Yeah, and, and- and really, truthfully, that's what you want from your guys. You mm-hmm. want guys, as crazy as it sounds, I mean, we, we are, we, we'll, we'll be honest here. No one's listening, right? No. A few people. As a football player, you understand the risk of putting your body out there every single day, the injuries that can occur, whether it be head, neck, in his situation, a calf that could be, you know, torn for the rest of the mm-hmm. year. Well, he's got his money. No, he wants to win football games for this organization, for his teammates, for his brothers, and he went out there and they did that yesterday. They don't win that game if Joe Burrow doesn't no. play. Right. And yeah. so you just you got to go do it even if you may re-injure yourself and, and potentially put yourself at risk. It's about the team. Well, and I feel like for just the similarities with the two wins last night with the Bengals and with the Eagles, their defenses are strong enough where you can give your offense kind of more of a time to figure things out. Like you were hearing with the Eagles, what they're talking about. They're still working on things, figuring things out, which is better than some yeah. teams in the position they're in. To me, I think that that's what stands out between those two teams right now. They're both going to be finely tuned offenses by the end of the season. One other NFL note, and we'll get to a lot of them later on as the show unfolds, but Devontae Adams, who left a perennial contender in the Green Bay Packers, joined a team, forced his way to a team owned by Mark Davis. Okay, So he left a perennial contender to go to a team owned by Mark Davis. Now the Raiders are struggling, and it seems like Devontae Adams is a little bit surprised. You know, it's week three, but I don't got time to wait around. I mean, it's not a personal thing. I mean, it is a personal thing, but it ain't just about me. But, I mean, it's not my mentality to sit here and try to take all season to figure it out. You use these early games like this to establish identity, and we're not doing things the right way to, to establish a winning culture early in the season. So we got to do something to, to turn that around. So you, you don't have time to wait around. All due respect, Devante, and I really love your skill set. I've got you on my fantasy team, as a matter of fact. <laughs> But before you make a move to go to the Raiders to try to win a Super Bowl, call up Pro Football Reference on your computer or on your phone and look at their history. That might that would have been my recommendation. Let you know a little bit about a little yeah. bit. Well, he went there on, with the expectation of playing with his college teammate, and, and he did. But they, he also with the knowledge that Mark Davis was the owner. Well, the, I, 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 he. Derek Carr was under contract. They, they uh, thought that they would be good for some time. Randy Moss was under contract there. Uh, Randy, <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you got a point there, Randy. You never know. Oh. There are some organizations you just you, you just know. don't deal with. You're like, eh, anything could potentially yeah. happen here at any time. And I don't it know. did, and it has. And yeah. now, I, now I, don't he's got, I don't got time to wait around. He's catching. I mean, well, he's great. I, he's awesome. He's going. He's he's going to get the ball mm-hmm. thrown to him, no matter where he is. Um, I don't think he's leaving 
uh, Las no, Vegas anytime, know. anytime soon. So, no. did Nicholas Cage ever? By no, the way, I don't think he, he never, did. No, okay. <laughs> Leave <in> Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think he did either. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> We're off and running here on the opening drive. Coming up, the Cardinals didn't play last night. That doesn't mean we don't have bird droppings for you, though. It's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the Opening Drive. It is time for Bird Droppings here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Carrie, and Randy. Brooke, I know you've got one of our show favorites. <laughs> uh, well, that could be misleading because that could also be Tomater. That's oh, yes. another show favorite. Uh, who else is? Wilking Rodriguez is another show favorite. Uh-huh. Um, Casey Lawrence is another uh, show Fletcher, favorite. Uh, Trey Barrera. Oh, Trey. Trey. Yeah. Trey. Trey Barrera. Uh, that guy. That, that Silent guy. Silent uh, Oscar Ricardo. Uh, Ricardo. <laughs> he was, yes. He was literally a favorite. For a, yeah, like was, for a day or two, he was literally where, a favorite. Where, where, how many people have been on this rock? Where are all? Where are they now? That's what I was going to say. We need to do, where are they now? <laughs> we do like a follow-up report. Oscar Mercado is out living in California, enjoying what his life. Is going <laughs> well, Os- anyways, Oscar but- Mercado and Richie Palacios are the same person. It's just a really good joke by the Cardinals. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, I, don't, oh. I don't know if that's your own. Hey, don't do Richie like that. Anyways, um, my bird watch, it's going to be more of a watch, is going to be Luke and Baker. Because, guys, guess what? Janet, I hope you're listening. Because I know you call him Luke. What does she call him? Luke Warm? Luke Warm Baker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Luke Warm Baker. Let me get the mic. Oh, drop. you're going to see some more of him this week. So. This was the first time this past weekend that we've actually seen him start in three consecutive games. And, of course, that's more due to injuries because he plays first base, typically, and he's also a DH, typically. So that we've seen the log jams with that, and I don't think that you're going to replace Paul Goldschmidt unless he wants you to. Um, Ali Marmal talked about this week, you are going to see more of Luke and Baker as they continue to evaluate things. But in my opinion, it might be a little bit too late for that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) considering that the season comes to a close here. Uh, But Ollie said, that's what you're going to judge now. You're going to, that's, let me start over. That's what you're going to judge now that you're going to every day. What does it look like? I'd like to run Baker out there a decent um, decent amount just to get him in that rhythm. So he started in three games this past week, and he did have that two-run homer against Michael Waka. That was great to see. So we'll see what he'll be able to do this week. I don't know if it's going to be enough to convince the Cardinals about where he fits into things next season. And I know he did have 33 homers in, yes. Luke and Baker. In Triple A. Happy this to season. see Luke Warren Baker heating up. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. It, it might be a little bit too late for him. Where do you guys feel that he fits into things? What do you do with him going into next season? Nothing? No. Nothing. That's Where is it. he going to play? Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I I think that's a, a that might be a segment where 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 will some of these guys be? Now who's making this roster next year? I mean, you got a you you got a lot of pitchers that you need to bring in, so we we can stay away from but, but position players I think you're pretty solidified when everyone is healthy. If Nolan Gorman is on your team, you can't have Luke and Baker there on you your go. team because and Alec Burleson. 
Right. You, you've, you've got, got those yes. two are on yeah. your roster. You've got DH, primarily DH guys that if you put them on the field, well, you're not going to play Baker at first for 115, no, 120 games, not. right? So all the only other thing you can do is designated it here. And Wilson Contreras is going to be doing that as well. Yeah, right. So you got three guys that are going to be a DH yeah. for for the majority of the games next year. So he's he doesn't really – I mean, he can – this is the thing, though. When you are having – you're in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. So – there are 29 other teams watching. Mm-hmm. So you still have to perform because somebody is going to need a big, burly first baseman. They he, are. He could become Luke Voigt. Right? Yeah, he he could. could have a nice career. Yeah, He could. And that's and that's what I'm getting at with this, with this bird watch is, do you feel like this is enough time to evaluate him? Because this nope. is the most that we've seen him at a consistent, or we will see him consistently be able to get this opportunity. Because as I mentioned, this past weekend was the first time he was able to start in three straight games. Do you feel like that's enough where you feel comfortable enough that you have seen enough of him consistently at, at the big league level where you are going to have, as we're going to have in this next segment, where we talk about players that are going to basically be painful to see continue to go on and play successfully. I look at it this way. With him, do I feel like I know enough about Matthew Libertor? No. Do I feel like I know? And this has been a lost season for a long time. Yeah. Do I know about enough about Zach Thompson? No. no. Do I know enough about... Well, I know, I know plenty about Selah. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, actually, do I know about enough about Yvonne Herrera? No. Uh, I, I think the Cardinals had... A golden opportunity here with this particular season yes. to learn a lot more about young players than they've had the than they've taken advantage of, and that's what I wanted to see. You, yeah, uh, we, we were talking about it earlier. That, we were talking about it earlier. The second half of the season, we knew what it was. It was they they got rid of their main starting pitching, mm-hmm. and you knew what it was. This was a time to really evaluate things, so you don't have some of those mistakes that you have seen, where we are talking about. Oh, this person goes on and they do all these fantastic things, which I know happens anyways with other teams but still we have seen in the past there's a pattern of not being able to fully evaluate guys and then you see them go on and be superstars elsewhere guys maybe the biggest one why the hell was paul DeYoung playing shortstop here for two months in june and july right yeah. and mason win we knew Thank mason win was gonna yes. be here right yes well that was a okay. contract issue they, they they wanted to start didn't want to start his clock too soon yeah. that, that's money that's bad. That is. I mean, but we... Because we, it, it was a lot of season. He kind of saw that with Jordan Walker, too. Yeah. yeah. All right. Another bird dropping? Hey, yeah. Sure. Hmm. Oh, can I get up? No, that's fine. No, don't worry about it. Don't change it. Leave it. Leave it. All Leave right. it. All right. All right. So I'm going to go with Zach Thompson. So here we are. Whoa. We're talking about younger guys. You stood up. You want a bird watch? Zach with a K. He's going to correct yeah. it. Okay. There right. we go. Talking about my boy, Zach Thompson. <laughs> this is a bird watch. Thank you very oh, much. Okay, How dare well, you? Sure. Um, so... Since his first, the first start that we were so excited about where he had those eight strikeouts in four innings, Zach Thompson has only gone more than six innings one time since then, he, this entire season. He, he is, uh, that's one of the, the things that we need to see. He's got a couple of more starts to end this season. Is he going to have a potential? Randy is laughing. I'm just saying, I hope you don't want to sign Blake Snell. <laughs> oh. I, I told you who I wanted. I wanted Aaron, Aaron Nola the entire time. That, that's who I've been looking at. Um, but the, the the question is, is he able to eat more innings? That's one of the problems. We've seen it throughout the entire season. You got five innings, five innings, five innings, seven innings, four, five, five, four, four. That That is not enough innings if you are going to be a starting pitcher. And you want this team to to have any type of success. We talked about it earlier in the season, Randy, how 
if this team is unable to start and give the starting pitchers more than five to six innings, it's going to be such a strain on the bullpen. We saw how that worked out all season long. And then the bullpen, they didn't have the flexibility to send guys down, bring guys up because of contracts. It just was a a, a bleep show the entire season because of it, because you didn't get good enough starting pitching. You didn't get good enough relieving consistently. And it has just been over and on repeat all season long. So for me, I want my starting pitchers. I think Zach Thompson has really good stuff. You got to give more than five innings, bro. You you have yep, to give yep. us more than five. You got to get us to the get us to the seventh inning. Get us to late in the sixth and give us something that gives us you know some sort of excitement that that bullpen doesn't have to get uh, twelve outs every single night when you're pitching. That that has to take place for them. Yeah, I well here's the thing. We were talking about those mixed messages earlier, and Zach Thompson was a big part of that this season. Imagine maybe where he could have been if they have des- they decided going to the season what his defined role was going to be. Remember all that stuff that was going on? He was in the bullpen. He was yeah. great coming out of the bullpen early in the season. Then they sent him down to the minors to stretch him out as a starter. He struggled. And, I mean, who wouldn't in that situation? Because you worked on one thing, and now you're getting a different role, and you're trying to figure out what your role is going to be moving forward. And then they bring him back up, and he's a starter again. I think it's almost like you've delayed his progression when you now need to know what exactly the starting rotation is going to look like <laughs> moving forward. And... I think that Zach Thompson is great, but if anything that I have seen in the second half of the season, I think he's great when it comes to depth with the starting rotation. I, you still have to go out and get three starting pitchers for sure. Does Major League Baseball, do they have a, like a player personnel guy? Yeah. Like a, a former mm-hmm. player that is on the staff that um, kind of helps with the transition from from upstairs to, yeah. to the communication downstairs because I think that has been lacking, <laughs> sorely missing no. all yeah. season. Like, you, you, hey, we're going to tell Wilson, whoa, 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 let's talk about mm-hmm. this first. Let's have a conversation. You're going to tell him what? Yeah, I don't think that's going to go over well. I think you should maybe mm-hmm. come to him and say this or we should think about it in this in these terms because – Sometimes there's a disconnect from, you know, people that haven't played and people that have and, played, and they don't really understand how to uh, communicate yeah, effectively. And I think that that would be something that, like, Randy Flores would be really good for if you would utilize his talents. All right, guys, the Memphis season is over. And, oh, by the way, they finished 71-78 and 78 the second half of the season. They were second to last Ooh. in the International League. Oh, but the guys that we were hoping would ascend for 2024 didn't really do so. We never saw Michael McGreevy, who finished the season with 24 starts and 11 and 6 record and 4.49 ERA. Graceffo finished with a 4.92 ERA. He only had seven decisions in 18 starts. Connor Thomas had an earned run average of 5.5, 5.53. Tommy Parsons, an earned run average of 7.3, 1.6. And, uh, then the people that you've seen here, uh, Libertor, Hudson, Thompson. Uh, so the fact that the Cardinals need to get three starting pitchers is even more defined by the lack of production by their minor league starters this year. All of the minor league starters that have a chance to be here next year are here next year, My are, are here right now, in my opinion. I think it would be very irresponsible for the Cardinals to start the spring counting on guys like McGreevy and Graceffo. Maybe, especially with Graceffo, maybe he's a bullpen guy, as we have discussed. But the fact of the matter is, 
not only were the Cardinals bad this year, but Memphis was bad this year. And that doesn't bode well for the future either. No, and that's what we were talking about yesterday when it comes to pitching development and being able to evaluate some of that talent and that progression. This season, they didn't really have, when they needed possibly to go down and get some pitching depth, they didn't have those options necessarily because those guys were not ready yet. And now you don't even know if exactly that timeline is going to fit into next season too. So this is a greater issue, not just at the major league level, but at the minor league level too. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, as the MLB playoffs start next week, which former Cardinal would you most like to see succeed? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The MLB playoffs start next week, and if the playoffs started today... Your division champions in the American League would be the Baltimore Orioles, who feature Jack Flaherty in their bullpen, the Minnesota Twins, and the Texas Rangers, who have Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton. In the National League, your division leaders include the Atlanta Braves, the Milwaukee Brewers, and the Los Angeles Dodgers, who have Colton Wong, but he would not be able to participate in the playoffs. They also have Lance Lynn, and they got Joe Kelly back. And then in the wild cards, right now, you have... uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, who have, and if the playoffs started today, the Jays would be in, and they have both Jordan Hicks and Henesis Cabrera down in their bullpen. And in the National League, you've got the Philadelphia Phillies, who have Edmundo Sosa. You have the Diamondbacks with Zach Gallen. You have the Cubs with Patrick Wisdom. There's a lot of former Cardinals represented. And, and oh, by the way, the Marlins are only one game behind in the National League wildcard race, and they are managed by Skip Schumacher. So with that being the case, and I didn't even mention that the Braves have... Uh, Marcel Ozuna playing for them. Mm-hmm. So with that being the case, of all of the Cardinals that are potentially going to play in the playoffs next week, is there a former Cardinal that you would like to see succeed the most? I would have to say it was one that you just mentioned there, Skip Schumacher. To me, I just would absolutely love to see him uh, be able to lead them into the postseason. And what they've been able to do this season, I think, is very encouraging. I think it has Skip's fingerprints all over it. And you've heard all season the players talk about it. I know that John Jay has spoken about it as well. He's part of that staff. It seems like they have a lot of the right pieces there. And I hate it. I hate seeing former Cardinals go on and kind of take some of those Cardinal way things and implement them in other systems. But at the same time, Skip Schumacher is a fantastic person. And I'm very excited that he got this opportunity. 
Now, would I have liked to have seen it? And this is nothing against Ollie. Would I have liked to have seen him continue to stay with the Cardinals? Yes, because I think his experience matters. I remember just watching him and how he would interact with the players. And, and this isn't a knock on any manager because this is also during Mike Schilt and stuff. I, I'm just saying, I, I could see the way that he interacted with the players. He was very hands-on. And with his experience, what player wouldn't want to learn every little detail from Skip? When, right. he, when he spoke, they all paid attention to what he had to say. He would even bring his son out sometimes to BP. Do you remember that? Like he would bring his son yeah, out there. it was great. And so I thought that was really cool. I mean, this is a huge week <clears throat> for the Marlins. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is a huge week for the Marlins because this is the potentially they could reach the postseason for the first time in a full season since 2003. And we know what happened for them in 2003. Right. So that is the former Cardinal that I would like to see. There's plenty of others on this list. But to me, I think Skip would love to see him be able to reach this huge milestone, not only for himself, but to get the Marlins to that point because they haven't in so long. Um, I, I think that was a Great. I, I love Skip. I thought he did. A, he was a fantastic player here. I thought he did a great job as a coach. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Zach Gallen uh, because mm. the the. I mean the Arizona Diamondbacks. Say the words not going to be it, enough, it, huh? Not, I, well, I don't think so. I mean, they haven't been to the playoffs in since 2017. Like this is a team that has struggled, hasn't done great, and here he is pitching, performing well. Um, you have to be excited for what he's done. Is it frustrating? Leah, a little bit. Nah, you, yeah, you, yeah. I mean, you, you thought that you made the right deal when you when you moved on from him. But here we are a few years later and looking back at hindsight is always twenty twenty, Randy, and you wish you had two Cy Young capable winners in on your in your uh in your rotation in him and, and Sandy Alcantara. You don't. Mm-hmm. And so why not root for a guy? We we understand that pitching, how important it is. We may not have understood it earlier <laughs> this year. But we definitely understand it late in this year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm rooting for that guy. I, I think when you have a have an organization that has had, you know, not as much success as the Arizona Diamondbacks have had forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you want guys like that to do well and you want them to, to succeed. It felt like that story was and, weird. You know, the Cy yeah. Young is not enough for me. Okay. No. It felt like that story <laughs> that Gallen revealed with the Cardinals was weird, right? Yeah. I, what was it's it? He telling. needed to go to a wedding, and then it was like his one opportunity to come out there for a workout, and it felt like he fell off and fa- yeah. like he was not as favored as much after that. Right. It was an interesting story. Yeah. Okay, guys, here's what I got for you. I've got Game 5, American League Championship Series, Toronto Blue Jays, Texas Rangers. Seventh and eighth innings, you've got Jordan Montgomery turning the ball over to Chris Stratton, and you've got Hennessy's Cabrera turning the ball over to Jordan Hicks in the seventh and eighth. And the winner goes to the World Series. I want to see which former Cardinal pitcher is the guy that steps up and is the key to leading his club to the World Series. And I want it to be, in the worst way, the guy that the Cardinals got rid of because they wouldn't give him the role he wanted, Hennessy's Cabrera. Oh, uh, well, Jordan Hicks was on that in that I know, conversation as well. I know. Both of them, yeah. neither, they, neither one of them, they wanted to be the closer. And and Cabrera, I, I thought performed really well when he got his opportunities. And you know, they has now they, yeah, yeah, <laughs> correct. I think he's had like twenty six outings, and twenty four of them have been scoreless that for to be, Toronto. You again, yes. you don't have to like everyone you work with. 
But you don't, you don't, I, I, I'll never forget Mike Tomlin when, when Antonio Brown posted the video before they were about to play the mm-hmm. Patriots. His, his comment was, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of him. We, we'll hurt him. We won't hurt us. Mm-hmm. Meaning, we're going to find the hell out of that guy. Mm-hmm. We're not going to suspend him and make him, we're not going to hurt ourselves because <laughs> he did something stupid because we don't like him. It, don't hurt yourself. You want to win, then why, why, why get rid of good players? So when because, a Cardinal posts yeah. a video from the clubhouse after a game. Yeah. Oh, hey. no. Hey, we're gonna hurt us. We're gonna hurt him. We're gonna find. We're gonna get in his pockets. Yeah. We're not gonna hurt us because that guy can play. We ain't, we ain't that that damn dumb. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's uh. It is painful to see. I would love to know more behind that story because that is something that actual actually on our Balk About It show like a while ago. Polo Asensio, when we were talking about the trade deadline, the Cardinal Spanish broadcaster, that was the name that he brought up with all the trades that he thought would come back and bite the Cardinals the most. Just is, the fact who's that. that? Cabrera. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hennessy's Cabrera is yeah. that he thought that Hennessy's would come back and bite them specifically. And then with Jordan Hicks, too, you hate to see him go, but he's having a lot of success. So it's interesting to see what those two do with the Blue Jays. And uh, the the Cubs can make it. Patrick Wisdom, I think, is right now the only. There might be another former Cardinal there, but Patrick Wisdom is. Uh, having a, a nice run with the Cubs. So, hey, good for uh, all the former Cardinals. Again, Gallon, Ozuna, Montgomery, Stratton, Hicks, Cabrera, Skip, Arozarena, uh, and uh, Wisdom, and all of those players. Tommy Pham. Uh, yeah, Arizona <laughs> in the playoffs. There's another one. Yep. So, uh, yeah, why didn't anybody take a stab at Tommy Pham? Right, you don't want to That's, meet him in the outfield. Uh, not if you're not if you're the commissioner of the fantasy football league. Oh, what would, he would die. He's not going to be in our fantasy league, huh? No, mm. <laughs> no, he's not. Some, yeah. He'd hurt somebody. I'm so proud of Brooke for getting a dad joke. I think that was great. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well done. So anyway, uh, enjoy the uh, the baseball playoffs, everybody. Uh, so we, ho- we, we, we hope we, we hope we've given you a favorite. Coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-Yo-Ho! We've got Take It or Leave It coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. is just going bananas. Oh. Man, that was the, <laughs> what, what did Georgia do have to do to you? <laughs> Rocco is Rock upset. Rock didn't have an answer to my my our, our back and forth. And his response was, I hope Georgia loses. We weren't even talking about Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that little pretty slate of theirs gets slaughtered this wow. weekend and is ruined by tomorrow. Uh, oh, okay. my God. Or is ruined by Sunday. Ooh, Get out of here. Dear Lord. Make a real decision, my you heavens. jerks. <laughs> good, oh, my good heavens. Oh, good no. Gracious. Someone had an opinion. <laughs> I never, I've never heard that in my entire life, young man. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. Bless your heart. <laughs> We give you a peek behind the curtain. We got to take it or leave it, Randy. Oh, yeah. Things are getting heated. 314-399-9646. 314-399. Yo-ho. Take it or leave it. Adam Wainwright gets a hit before the end of his career. Take it. Ooh.
Ooh, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take it too. Do you think that we'll see him just one day this weekend? Or? Yes, Sunday. Okay, just Sunday. One day? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, they're going to let him hit more than once. Dang it. Yeah. That'd be fun. Maybe make him more a DH on Sunday. Yeah, why not? I'm going to take that one. Uh, take it or leave it, guys. Um, and if you're on YouTube, you can see right now I'm kind of stirring the pot a little bit. So they announced um, the time for the Mizzou and LSU game yesterday. Well, they played play this weekend? Uh, oh, they play in no. two weeks. No, in yeah, two, weeks. two weeks. But they, annou- oh, yeah. they announced yeah. the time. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff. Mm. Take it or leave it. Uh, mm. If you get an 11 a.m. kickoff, <laughs> that kind of shows what they think about your, <laughs> your team. Yeah, if I were LSU, I'd be ticked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Brian Kelly for all that money. Right, you, you got family. LSU in the get family. Yeah, Our family. Yeah. Yeah, you, you LSU, you're bothered. If you're Mizzou, you're like, we're just happy to be playing, yeah, brother. It's it, 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 here's the thing. It's Missouri has it's man. LSU hasn't been competitive with them for a while. Why would you want to do that if you're ESPN? Oh, man. It seems to well, be last, but, uh, seems to be last time ranked? they played Mizzou won yeah. it, right? Yeah. Well, last time they played Mizzou beat LSU. Right? So then the game should be later. It should be. It should if if it's not super competitive. If Mizzou's going to smoke them. You think so? Yeah. LSU's oh. not that good. Oh. Wow. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Well, that's why they're not playing. That's why they're playing at eleven because yeah. Mizzou is going right. to blow them it's out a, of the water. It'll well, be well, over well, by well, halftime. This is not. And I already know this. Be, yeah. yeah it won't the, be anybody this watching. This is yeah. not Burrow and Chase and Jefferson and yeah. Patrick Queen and that. I got this you. is a different LSU. This, this is not your daddy's LSU okay. Tigers. All right. Yeah. Well, just uh. Just wondering, man. I, I, I thought it was intriguing that Mizzou, being top twenty-five and all, as as Matthew Rocky li- Matthew Rocchio likes to inform us on a regular basis, that they are top twenty-five. They are number twenty-three, and they are top twenty-five in the country. Make sure we get that out there, right? Right, Rock? Yeah. That's that they a, are playing at thing. eleven a.m. It is for Mizzou's program to be top twenty-five. I I think have, that's a good thing. But here's my thing: the reason that they're playing at eleven. Randy, you know how many games Illinois played at eleven a.m. when I was in college? Pretty much all of them. You know why? No one cared, man. No one cared to watch us, Randy. Uh, We were number seven in the country at one point, and we were still playing 11 a.m. games. Nobody gave a damn. No. Nobody turns on the TV. You know what? Okay, here we go. Nobody wakes up. I don't want to say nobody. There's people in this state, in the surrounding states, a few people, but not a lot of people around the country that wake up on Saturday and say, ooh, I can't wait to watch that Mizzou game. It's just what it is. But next week, while Mizzou is playing LSU, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't Colorado and USC play at 11 o'clock this week? Do they? Yeah. Mm. They call it Big Noon Eastern. It's going to be a lot of people. 9 a.m. Pacific. It's called Big Noon Eastern on Fox. Let's get the numbers and see which people watch more, Which who watches more of which There's no doubt. But I I think people do want to watch Dion. Regardless they definitely of the time. do. They, you want to watch a product. They definitely do. That's Colorado and that's that's yeah. USC. If they're playing at 11, yeah, people are going to be yeah. tuned in. It's going to be 9 a.m. on the West Coast. They're going to wake they're up watch. and watch yep. it. They're not going to wake up on the West Coast at 9 a.m. to watch Mizzou and the LSU. No, they're not. <laughs> okay. No. That's all okay. I'm saying. In Battle Rouge, they'll be up. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Fine will be watching. Okay. That's all, that's <laughs> all I'm trying to get across. That, that's it. It... it I'm not hating. I'm just no, telling it, the truth. It, it, but, Kerry, here's the thing about LSU and Mizzou, and pretty much everybody that uh, is in their conference. It just means more. 
According, according to them. That's oh. what they say. Yeah. <laughs> my, my take it or leave it. There's a, there's a famous Jet quarterback, uh, Joe Willie Namath. Mm. Uh, really yeah. good quarterback back in the day. Made a prediction, won it. He's saying that uh, Zach Wilson, <laughs> he's done seeing him. Take it or leave it. The Jets actually take his advice. Ooh. I, but what are they? A follow up. <laughs> what, what, how what, do they? What how do they accomplish that? What, is what, the thing. Boyle. Okay. Uh, Joe Namath. Hell, I don't know. Put him out there. He's how old is how old is Joe? Uh, uh, he's almost eighty. He's almost can't eighty. Be that much worse. He's doing Medicare commercials. Does he really have oh. much say? It can't be that much worse than what we're seeing. Here's the thing. No. I, I'm gonna no. I'm gonna take it because I think when Joe says something like that, and I love the way that he just was very blunt about it. I that whole conversation, he would he went straight to the point that it's not gonna happen with Zach Wilson. He's an old unfiltered man. Yes, and I think that point. you kind of need that people. sometimes. Yeah. So I'm gonna take it. I just don't know how exactly they pull it off at this moment. Yeah, it's not like anybody's gonna want to tr- trade a guy. Although the the Vikings are zero three. So maybe Kirk Cousins, and this won't be the week. The, the, the Jets won't get another win this weekend. Who do they have? Who do they play? And, and it might get to be too late. Right? I don't think I, the 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 Kirk Cousins talk is weird to me. Yeah, it he's is. Be yeah, traded. I, I, I uh, they play the Chiefs. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, no, not this week. But there's gonna <laughs> Do, Do, Joe Douglas and <laughs> no. Robert Sala. Even though they've lost Rodgers, there's going to be a level of desperation there. Could you imagine Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers being in the same building, though? No, oh, that would be fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. that would be a That'd be fun experience. Yeah. But it, at some point, it's going to get to be too late for them, for, for the Jets to make a deal. And if I'm well, no, they didn't give up their number one because Rodgers isn't playing, so they do have a number one. All right, your text, Matthew. What do we got? Some negative on the Blues? Take it or leave it. The Blues are dumping guys at the trade deadline just like the Cardinals this year. Oh, my. Oh, they did that last God. year. God. Um, uh, I'm going to. Who are you dumping? Who's in the who's defensive be a free guys? Agent? I don't know. That'd be the only ones whose contracts and play would match up to a trade. I don't I mean, think they have any Whose contract is. They don't have I don't tradable? Think, I don't yeah, think no, they, I don't think they have anything coming up. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Uh, what about Marco Scandella, Tori Krug? Those are just like the first ones that were in some talks that yeah. I, that came to mind. There's a li- fine line between dumping and addition by subtraction. Yeah. 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 That's fair enough. Uh, here's and another Kruger, one. It, it, he, he already he they said no. him once. He said no. Take it or leave it. Either Baruby or Cairo are gone at the deadline. Oh, I'm going to leave that. Cairo is not going anywhere. Uh, Baruby, I would like to see him stay around, and so I don't want to see him go anywhere. He's not going anywhere, anywhere, so I'm going to have to leave that one. Where's Cairo going to go? Everybody I talked to around the rink last week and before says, don't worry about Cairo. He's going to be fine. Yeah. Go get me another 40-goal score. Before you decide just to push Jordan Cairo out the door, go find me another 40-goal score, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. The SEC only gets one team in the national championship playoffs. Leave it. No, oh, take man. it. Take it. No, it's take Georgia. That. Yeah, take that. It's Georgia. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have to agree. In the playoffs. Didn't you Bama's want Georgia not? to lose? Yeah, it'd be fantastic. Yeah, he, he, Bama's not that good this year. <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah, compared, they're to, not. compared to usual no, I Bama. That, I said they're yes. not. So, yeah, yeah I think it's a good so, this, this is Georgia, either Michigan or Ohio State. I, I do hope they lose. USC. He's a sick man. <laughs> says, says the biggest hater in the room. Oh! 
bro. Now, oh. hey, all the Mizzou fans are texting wow. in. Gary's a hater. He's hating yeah. on the. I, I am a realist. <laughs> 11 o'clock is not a great game to play. It's hard to get up at 11 a.m. to play a football game. There is nothing exciting about it from a college football perspective as a player or as a fan. You can trick yourself. Now, if you're USC and Colorado, yeah, you'll be up and ready to watch that game. And if you're Mizzou, you'll be up to watch L- uh, LSU, I'm sure. That's an exciting game. Michigan, for them, Ohio State every year is 11 in the morning. Those, But those, there's an out, there's a, there's a, 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 Exception to every rule, Randy. Those are the exceptions. If Michigan and Ohio State are playing at 11 a.m., yes. If Mizzou and whomever is playing at 11 a.m., the country is not up to watch it. And we're being. And if we want to be honest, or do we want to feel good here? We want to feel good. Okay, Rock. Well, everybody will be up watching Mizzou and LSU. Sunshine and that makes you feel better. Lollipops. That makes I mean, you feel better. Okay. If it's at 2:30, they are. No, they Sunshine, aren't. Lollipops they can put it at 6 p.m. No, a lot of people are watching it then. You're right. I shouldn't hope for good things coming from the, coming from the positive side of the table. Uh, oh, take it or leave it. Brandon oh, Staley. There's no way that's ever been the positive side no, no, of the I'm table. I'm saying, I'm saying that. that's saying, oh, I'm saying that's okay. Right. I thought you were talking about your from, side. I was like, that's rich. It's coming from these, this pair over here on the quote unquote positive side okay, of the these table. These are 11 o'clock in the morning St. Louis game so far. Colorado and TCU was 11 o'clock. Colorado and Nebraska, Coach Prime. Nobody Michigan knew. and Penn State. Uh, big noon game on Fox. Uh, the let's see, as we mentioned earlier, the uh, Michigan Ohio State game seems like there's a lot. It's it, those it's, are, a, it's, a, it's about product really it's, more than it's anything It's the else. Blue Bloods. Those are the teams that you want to see. And Colorado is is on there because yeah. they want to see Prime. Right. That's why you. But want, it those are when. games it, because you could play Prime. You could play Colorado at two thirty in the afternoon every week. You could. And people will watch, but they'll watch at 11, a, 11 a.m. as well. Yeah, yeah, people are up on. Doesn't matter. People are up what on. What I'm Saturday saying is, if you have a choice between USC and okay, USC and 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 Colorado versus Mizzou and LSU on that Saturday, if they're playing, if they were playing at the same time, nationally, there's no doubt that it'd be Colorado and, that, and USC. That, that, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yep. That's all I've been saying. And that's if and, you have an yeah. option, if you have Michigan State, I mean Michigan and Ohio State playing at the same time as Mizzou and anyone, they're going to watch that game. Yep. They'll watch it. And here's the truth about the truth. Mizzou fans are going to be flipping back and forth yep. that game as well. The hell, yeah. they, they can lie and say whatever the hell they want. They're going to be flipping back and forth. You know who's not going to be flipping back and forth? Ohio State and Michigan fans aren't going to be flipping back and forth to watch Mizzou no. and LSU. That's all I'm saying. It's not a, a knock. <clears throat> they wouldn't be flipping back and forth yep. to watch Illinois and, and Penn you know State. What? And all, like I asked you earlier about the 99 Rams. All you have to do is keep winning, and then you'll be playing at 2.30. There you go. On, uh, <laughs> Just keep winning. That's, what, we thought, that, that, that's yeah. what they thought was going to happen if they were 5-0. Yeah. yeah well. Also, you have, six, you have you have a why decide two weeks out? You have six days to decide yeah. after this fact. Why not let this this week of the schedule play out? Maybe somebody loses. I don't know. It's not like they Georgia. don't. Hey, it's, stop at the Georgia <laughs> stuff. And, and here's the thing. I do, Georgia and some hater. people have pointed out that Faro is going to be sold out, which that is a very, very valid, fair point. But I think with the, what you're discussing is TV viewership at the end of the day, that is kink. Yes. That TV viewership and that that is what is driving a lot yeah. of those decisions. And you earn that if, if you keep winning. You you earn the two thirty slots. Yes. Uh, okay, hold on, because LA, uh, Texas and Oklahoma play at eleven a.m. on yep. on Saturday as well. 
are we pretending that people aren't going to have more eyeballs on Texas and no, Oklahoma than right. Mizzou and LSU? My point has been people do care about the 11 o'clock. You said people if, don't care about I, the 11 o'clock. And I, I said, say they do care I about the 11 o'clock. I said there is an exception to everyone. <laughs> every they single, don't care every about single LSU week. and Missouri. Carrie, every single week there there's is, an exception. Yes, there is. It's, it's Fox's it's the, biggest it's game the of the exception. day. It's yeah. the exception. It's Mizzou and LSU or it's Oklahoma yep. and Texas. Well, There are going to be at the same time. Right. At the same time. Yep. Just saying. Well, uh, here's the thing. You could have put them at if, – if Mizzou was that important, if they were as important as people would like to think, you could have played them at the 2 o'clock slot, the 2.30 uh, slot. Virginia, Virginia Tech and Florida State, not many eyeballs. Alabama, Texas A&M, probably more. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you're going to watch a game at 11 a.m., it ain't going to be here's LSU and Mizzou. You know, you know what the, it's going to be Texas and Oklahoma. You know what the smallest – TV viewership numbers of the week is, Brooke, you would know, having been in TV, mm-hmm. it's Friday night. That's where you don't want to yes. be playing is Friday oh, yeah. night. Yeah. Friday no. night is the worst. Uh, yeah. uh, this is right. fun. I'm so Dang, glad I stirred I the pot it. with my take it or leave it. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, coming up next, Dennis Dodd has a great piece up about the future of college football. Is Mizzou safe in the SEC? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. So much is going on in college football, and there's a lot of talk, as there was with the Washington State Athletic Director last week, and Dennis Dodd, by the way, has a great piece up at CBSSports.com, but uh, a a lot of talk, and I don't know how valid it is, that eventually college football will go to a relegation system, much like they have in European soccer, where the worst teams will be relegated down to an out-of-the-bowl BC... uh, what do we have? We we've got Football. the bowl championship, and the uh, Final FCS, 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 and and, and BCS, yeah. and you'd be relegated from the BCS to the FCS oh. uh, if you were bad enough for a long enough time. That'd be interesting. Now the other question is, when does the next realignment take place? ACC teams can't leave until twenty thirty six unless they're willing to give up all of their money from television because the grant of rights that they sign for the ACC goes through 2036. So, for example, if Clemson and Florida State would want to move to the SEC, all the money that they would make from the SEC would go back to the ACC. Hmm. So it just doesn't make sense financially unless you have boosters like SMU does. SMU's boosters basically went to the the ACC for nothing, and then the boosters made them whole financially. They gave the the school $200 million. But that's not going to happen with most schools. So my guess would be that there's not going to be much realignment here for the next 12, 13 years. Yeah, I don't think that moving it, – it, it feels weird when you have the the history and the legacy of all of these teams and they're mm-hmm. moving cross-country. You got Pac-12 teams going to the Big Ten. It it was out of hand a few years ago, in my opinion, when you just had a few additions. Nebraska coming to the Big Ten, Mizzou leaving the Big 12, going to the SEC, Texas A&M as well. It, it just felt – Weird because you miss out on those rivalry games. That that's what makes college football college football. When you don't have um, 
SC and 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 UCLA playing in the Pac-12. Now they're they're rivals. They're still going to be there, but their rivals are going to be who? Ohio State and Michigan. Now that it just it just seems a little bit different. And I I haven't been a fan of you know the the transformation of all of the conferences. I understand why it's taking place, but. I haven't been a, a big fan of it because I think the history of those football programs in those conferences is what makes college football, college sports, college sports. I know. I mean, rivalry week is literally one of my favorites in college football because I love all the storylines. I love the history. I know with the Arkansas Mizzou one, there's always some, you know, conversation about if it really is a rivalry or not. Which do you guys think that that is a rivalry? Is that one that you look forward to on it's the calendar every year? Yeah, it feels very manufactured. But I know that it's something that at least that you are looking forward to. I think my biggest takeaway from Dennis Dodd's article, and I thought that it was a fantastic article discussing it, is that I don't really see them getting rid of programs, eliminating programs, it looks like it's going to be more and more of adding programs. And it looks like the SEC realizes that if they want to make sure that they aren't going to be left behind anyway, which I know sounds weird to say about the SEC, but to keep up with the Big Ten and with the Big 12 is they're going to have to continue to add teams. And we know that they're adding Texas and Oklahoma in 2024, but they're going to continue to add. So now it feels like we're going to start welcoming in that era of the super conferences now. Yeah, yeah. And the SEC is going to be fine. I, I just I, I look at the Big Twelve, and I refuse to believe that all of the Big Twelve teams are power conference teams. I don't. All of a sudden, you just can't make Houston uh, a power conference team or, or BYU. You can't make me believe that they're a contender. Yeah. Like those schools, if you put them in the SEC, do they have a chance to go to a bowl every year? Probably no. not. And so, I, I kind of. Uh, I actually put the ACC in terms of power simply because of FSU and Clemson ahead of the Big 12. Big 12 lost all its juice when it lost Texas and Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So if you're the SEC, you probably at some point try to add Clemson and FSU, but that's a long time down the road. And you get to 20, and then the Big 10 will get to 20. They'll steal away a couple of the other the, the legitimate power five teams. But otherwise, I think that all the puzzle pieces have pretty much been put into place. So you'll be looking at two, three conferences? The the SEC, ACC, and the Big Ten? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, and the Big I 12 will that. be there, but I don't... Everybody's leaving from there as well, though. <laughs> well, no, the Big 12 is is going to be... Well, the only... The, you lost the Big Two. You lost Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. But they'll still have Oklahoma, Oklahoma, or Oklahoma State, Baylor, TCU, yeah. uh, Texas Tech. But... I'll do respect. I just don't see that conference stacking up to the other ones. Right. No. no that, yeah. Not not nearly as as close because the. I mean, it, I think the the how it lays out is SEC, Big Ten, and ACC. Just in terms of powers of those conferences and and the players and the potential that they have for each team in that in those conferences. Those are the that's the layout of how college football is going now. I think. NIL has been beneficial to a lot of programs. I think that's why you're starting to see Alabama maybe take a step back because you're starting to see other teams and other conferences be able to put more money into their program, more money into their student-athletes' pockets, which really, I think, kind of evens the playing field for everyone. Now, one of the things that has to happen, because there's one thing that Dennis writes about how maybe Michigan will say to Purdue, no, you aren't going to make as much money as us because you aren't as important as us. It's going to be incumbent upon commissioners to be very strong to maintain a level of equality. You can't have the rich getting richer because 
ultimately Michigan needs somebody to play. Mm-hmm. Alabama needs somebody to play. So I don't think that you're going to have situations like you had with the old Big 12 where Texas made all the money. I think there will be a, a level of financial equity among the schools. And I really don't believe that schools are going to be kicked out of leagues. I think that no. would that would be a, a legal situation that conferences just don't want to deal with. No. And to go back to the question of the segment, is Mizzou safe? Mizzou is 100% safe. Yeah. I would not be worried about that. And when you were talking about NIL, too, the first thing that came to mind for me with Mizzou is that actually having Missouri, what they were able to do with NIL, puts them ahead in certain ways and helps them give them a competitive advantage with some of the other SEC programs when you are looking at this possible expansion. Absolutely. That is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Blues and Blue Jackets play tonight. And the TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly, is going to join us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. The Blues and the Blue Jackets tonight here on 101 ESPN, 6 o'clock pregame. And as he will every Tuesday during the season, the TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly, joins us now. JK, good morning. How are you doing? Hey. Everything is wonderful. I want to get your early impressions, and obviously it's only been less than a week, but I want to get your early impressions of camp. Has anybody really stood out to you? Well, you know, it's tough to tell in the drills, Randy, and they've only played the one preseason game. I mean, they actually had a split squad game the other day. I saw the game Saturday at home. Um, I thought the young goaltender from Russia, Jurenko, um, you know, played really well and made some highly real saves. Um, he's a very aggressive goaltender, Randy. Um, and from what I, you know, have seen in limited, you know, um, views of him, um, very athletic and very quick. Um, so I thought he had a, a really good uh, first game. Uh, Bitten's fight was really impressive uh, the other day. Um, his brother, of course, played a bit for the Blues last year. You know, the one guy that really stood out to me um, in the preseason game the other day is is uh, Sunquist. And you're going to say, well, why Sunquist? I mean, we know Sunquist. Well, what really stood out to me was that how hard he worked. And here, here's a guy that's been in the league now for whatever, 10 years or so. Um, is coming back on a, on a one-year deal. It's preseason game number one. And to me, he was one of the hardest-working players on the ice. And I love that. And I think, you know, big picture, the Blues need to get back to that. It, you know, hard work and being a harder team to play against. Um, obviously, physicality if you can. But I thought Sunquist really brought it the other day, and I'm, I'm really happy that he's back with the organization. Well, you can tell that Oscar is happy to be back, and I know that that factors into how he's playing because he wants to be here and he's wanted to be here in St. Louis. There are so many articles about how much he hated about leaving, too. But I thought it was interesting what you just said there is having guys who are more physical, kind of bigger guys. How much do you think that helps Baru? Because we know that that's the kind of player that he likes, and it seems like he's getting more of those guys this season. Yeah, Brooke. And, you know, again, we talked to, to the coach a few weeks ago, and I, I think that he would like to get back to being more of a forechecking team. Um, you know, not dump and chase necessarily. I mean, you know, that's sort of old school. But when, when you don't have a play to be made at the blue line, get it in and forecheck and wear teams down. And a player like, and again, we mentioned him last week, 
um, you guys, as we know, is Nick Ritchie, who is here on a PTO, and he's a big guy that played last year in Arizona and also Calgary and, and had some pretty good numbers. So um, if, if he could make the team and give the Blues more physicality along with you know a player like Torpchenko, and we mentioned Sundquist, so I think that's what the Blues would like to do is to get back to more of their identity, which is to be a bigger, heavier team and obviously, you're still going to have the skill guys like the Kairos and the Thomases and Buchnevich. Of course, that line has been together basically all of camp, and they were really good the other day as well. Um, but I think we're going to see more of that and hopefully see more of that physicality as camp goes on. J.K., the 2022-23 season seemed like it just didn't start off in the right direction. I, I felt like it was because the the impending free agency of a, your two stop, top players. Do you feel any of that this season? Do you feel like this is more of a team that is really all together, all in, and, and really all on the same page going into 24? Yeah, I haven't really thought about that much about, you know, going into last year, you know, all the unrestricted free agents to be, you know, obviously O'Reilly and, and, uh, and the others, including Tarasenko. I don't know if that had much of an effect. I really don't. I, I think it certainly did, uh, you know, the closer the blues got to the trade deadline and the, and the farther they fell in the playoff race. But I don't think that's an excuse for how this team played say in the first three months. Um, Having said that, you, you don't have that hanging over this team. And I, I felt a good you know, sense of, of togetherness and excitability from the players that I've talked to this year. They're really excited to be back. And um, I, I think that last year was a, a kick in the gut to that team. I mean, this is a team that, as we know, every year you could count on them to have at least 100 points and be a, a playoff team and obviously a Stanley Cup champion team. Um, but I, I think they were really shocked by what happened last year. So, you know, is this team as good as the team two years ago that had 109 points? Probably not. Um, but inversely, is it as bad as a team last year that had 81 points? Probably not. So it's probably somewhere in between. Hopefully it's, you know, mid-90s or upper 90s and you're a playoff team. Um, but again, getting back to your point, Kerry, I don't know if, if that really hurt the team last year. I think what really hurt the team the biggest blow to that club last year was after winning three games, they lost eight in row regulation and it was a big time kick in the gut and quite honestly, never recovered. You can't get in the three and eight hole in any league at any time and hope to come back and make the playoffs. And that's what happened last year. A couple more items for John Kelly, TV voice of the blues here on one one ESPN. And John, as you know, we've been really spoiled with number one defenseman here, whether it has been Pronger and McKinnis or Jay Bomeister, or Alex Petrangelo, even for a time, Eric Johnson, before he got hurt and the blues and, and Doug Armstrong will admit they don't have that alpha right now, but you've played hockey. I never have. You've watched a ton of hockey over the year. How years? How realistic is it to have guys like this where you might not have the the number one? You don't have that guy, but you have a lot of two, three, four guys to play within the system and still have a very solid defense. Well, it is very possible, Randy. And a guy I didn't mention, by the way, when you asked about guys that have stuck out, I thought Krunovich had a really good game. Um, on Saturday, he was plus three and looked really confident to me and handled the puck. And he, here's a guy that's trying to make the hockey team. And as we have known, he's had a ton of injuries the last couple of years. 
But, Randy, I think that the best way to answer that question about the, the defense as a group without that, you know, star number one defenseman is that this group basically was the, the defensive core that that was on the team two years ago, and they had 109 points again. I know I'm sounding like a broken record, but they did it with this group two years ago. So it's there, and for whatever reason, last year uh, the group fell off, but more than that, the defensive mindset of the team fell down and wasn't nearly good enough. So, you know, the group needs a lot of help. They need to play better. And I, I think that they can get the job done. Uh, you know, a player like Pareko and, and and Nick Letty, guys like that, and obviously Krug, they just have to be better players. You know, not be superhuman. They can only be what they are. Mm-hmm. But, but as a group, those guys have to play better. Um, I think the only guy, quite honestly, that had a really good year on defense was Justin Falk. And, and he was – I thought he had a super year. So I just think the group has to play better and – they did it two years ago. There's no reason they can't do it this season. John Kelly, we're looking forward to another great season. Always good to hear your voice, sir. Thank you, and we'll see you around the rink. Okay, guys. Thank you. Take care. That is the TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly, with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got a fight coming your way, and that means we need a fighter. Ordinarily, to have a fight, you need to have two fighters. I'll participate as one. I don't think... Uh. Maybe we can just have one between... Uh, Matthew and Carrie and just Brooke and I can you can you and I can observe and judge. How's that sound? Yeah, eat some popcorn on the side. Yeah, Wait, like, yeah. It's, still, it's still trivia, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's uh, still trivia, right? Please tell me it's yeah. still trivia. Uh, text in three one four three nine 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 six four six three one four three nine nine. Yo ho! With your name and the word fight, and maybe we'll pick you to be our fighter next on one hundred and one ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the Opening Drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Chad. Chad, how you doing? I'm good, guys. How are you? Good. Doing wonderful. Are you ready to take on Randy Kerrigan? He's a little bit fired up today. I just want to put that out in the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, in the atmosphere. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm I'm ready to build uh, Randy's confidence today. Oh, well, eh, knock it down, please. Bring him down. <laughs> yeah. Good old clean fight uh, where Rock and Randy are in disagreements is uh is the best day of my week. So. <laughs> Very good. There we go. It's Very fun. good. Which franchise is the last to return to the Super Bowl after losing it the year before? Is it the Bills, the Seahawks, or the Patriots? The Patriots. Excuse me. Jordan Alvarez became the second player in Astros history to hit three straight 30 home run seasons. Which killer B is the only other one to do it? Is it Craig Biggio, Lance Berkman, or Jeff Bagwell? Jeff Bagwell. Through three weeks of the NFL season, which team is the only one not to score a touchdown in the first half? Is it the Bengals, the Giants, or the Broncos? The Giants. Final question. Happy birthday to one of the GOATs, Serena Williams. Serena Williams is one of my favorites. Serena won 23 Grand Slam titles across her career with at least six wins in three of the four events. Which event does she have just three? Is it the French Open, Wimbledon, or Australian Open? Ugh. Tennis question? <laughs> um, and, and women's tennis at that because I'm no, such a fan. Um, come on, Chad. 
Uh, I'll say the, let's say the French Open, because she wasn't that good on clay. All right, we'll double-check our score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Chad, how you feel? Oof. And oof. oof? Just oof? That's, that's all I got. Well, you know, sometimes we surprise ourselves, and and things happen mysteriously. Uh, I'm hoping so. I hope Randy's, I'm Randy's still fired up and he's off. Today. Randy is fired up. He was uh, totally fired up. He's fired up about Mizzou. He's got his Mizzou colors on. I, I offended him earlier, and I'm happy about it. <laughs> I, just, I just say keep winning. I, just keep winning. I grew up in yeah. I grew up in Como, so you've already offended me too today. Terry. <laughs> Good. Good. I think I offended half of the listeners. Good. <laughs> and then the other half are Illinois fans. I there you go. I and I. Randy, uh, this is Chad. Did you say hello? Hi, hey, Chad. Good Chad. morning. How you doing? Good to have you with us. Uh, um, great, great to be here, Randy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right, Randy. Here we go. All right. What franchise? Excuse me. Which franchise is the last to return to the Super Bowl after losing it the year before? Uh, let's see. You had. Um, did the Patriots do that after they lost? Uh. 17, 18, maybe? 17, they lost to the Eagles. Who played in the 18 Super Bowl? Maybe it wasn't them. Um, let me just... 18. 17 was Philadelphia. Who played in 18? 19 was the Rams over the Patriots. Was 18 the first Kansas City one? No, it wasn't. Maybe it was. Okay. Um... Hmm. I'll just do the lifeline to cut to break things down here. Bills, Seahawks, Patriots. Okay, the Seahawks did not because they won and then lost. Patriots, I'm going to say no. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. <clears throat> Jordan Alvarez became the second player in Astros history to hit three straight 30 home run seasons. Which killer B is the only other one to do it? Is it Berkman or is it Bagwell? I'm going to say that it was Lance Berkman. Through three weeks of the NFL season, which team is the only one not to score a touchdown in the first half? Okay, this is one of the great trivia questions of all time. Team that has not scored a touchdown in the first half yet this season. I'm going to guess it's not Miami. Just uh-huh. right off the top, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to eliminate them. Um, well, who's not scoring? Uh, Dolphins. Bills have Jets. I. Hmm, what did the Jets do in the second week? They didn't score in the first. They only scored a touchdown. I'm going to go with the New York football Jets. I don't even remember what they did in week two, but I'm going to go with the New York football Jets. All right. Total guess. Final question. Happy birthday to one of the GOATs, Serena Williams. Serena won 23 Grand Slam titles across her career with at least six wins in three of the four events. Which event does she have just three in? The French. Roland Garros. What was that last part? Roland Garros. That's where they played the French Open. Ah, okay. Yes, I, I did not. I did not know that much about the French Open. All right. Well, we have a winner in today's fight. 
Was Chad able to come in here on a Tuesday and knock Randy Carricker off? Or do we have the start of a completely win-filled week here for Randy Carricker? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Congratulations, Chad. That was extremely impressive. You got all four correct today in the fight. Holy cow, I'll take that. (laughs) I I get worried when all of Randy's answers are different than mine. (laughs) That can scare scare somebody. Let's go through those questions and answers. Which franchise is the last to return to the Super Bowl after losing it the year before? It is, in fact, the Patriots who lost Super Bowl 52 and then came back and beat the Rams in Super Bowl 53. Jordan Alvarez became the second player in Astros history to hit three straight 30 home run seasons. It was, in fact, Jeff Bagwell, the Killer Bees, the only other one to do it for that franchise. Through three weeks of the NFL season. The only team to not score a touchdown in the first half is, in fact, the New York Giants. The Bengals have a punt return touchdown. They still do not have an offensive touchdown in the first half of the season. And happy birthday to one of the GOATs, Serena Williams. She has won 23 Grand Slam titles with at least six in three of the four events. The only one she has three. Both of you got it right there. The clay has been her nemesis. It is, in fact, the French Open. Congratulations, Chad. You got a complete sweep win today. So we will see you tomorrow for round two of the fight. That sounds great. Uh, Kerry, you have to fire up Randy again tomorrow, so good luck. I got him off yeah. his game. Yeah. He don't need it. Matthew's the one off his game. I'm not ready. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing the fight, Joe. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh, um, I think I have, well, I, I don't want to be sound condescending, but I get it. No, okay. no, no touchdowns in the first half was not a, a, a trivia question that you were. A, no, no I, I, I haven't heard that one in a trivia night before. Oh, no. People, people always complain when I say a question. They're like, well, I wasn't born yet. Well, everyone who is going to be in this fight, 100%, was born when this tra- when this stat happened. So, nice. Mm-hmm. I, I guess. Well done. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Can't please everybody, Rock. Don't try. No, he was, uh, don't he try. He was, mad, he was mad about the tennis question. He didn't like the tennis who, who question. Chad was angry. Right. And he got but it right. He yeah. knew about Clay. And yeah, there so you go. He, he was correct. He goes, oh, you have a tennis a question, a women's tennis have, question. Then he goes, oh, well, she's not good on clay. I have a problem with you saying one of the goats instead of the goat. I mean, she like, the she's the goat of her sport, but yeah, like. But you don't, you don't have to say one of the oh goats for Jordan. You just say the goat. You don't have to say one of the goats for Ali. You just say the goat. Mm-hmm. He's, she's the goat. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She is. Did you ever uh, hear of somebody named Martina Navratilova? Uh, yeah, I've heard of her. Mm-hmm. Okay. But with I've the, heard of Serena, with, too. With the competition that she was dealing with, with, with Chris Everett? Yeah. And, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I remember. I, I don't know if it's that easy. Mm-hmm. Well, she's, she's got I mean, more here's wins. the thing. Even people who beat Serena Williams, if you haven't seen recently, they had to dope in order to do so. I don't know if you've seen some of that stuff that no. doping has been an issue with some of the people that she has no. played against. So yeah. just going to throw that out there. I, I think that she's the greatest of all time, but there, there are people that would argue otherwise. Yeah. Women's sports is important. I'm just going to throw that out there. Oh, at it the is. End. It's yes. very, important. very important. Next up, we have seen this year already the incredible importance of the quarterback in the NFL, perhaps the most important position in all of sports. But can we overestimate it? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
The odds-on favorite right now to win the MVP in the National Football League, and it's after three weeks. We have a ways to go. But the betting favorite right now is Tua Tonga-Vailoa, who has been amazing so far. He's thrown for 1,024 yards. He has thrown for a total of eight touchdowns. Only Kirk Cousins of Minnesota has thrown for (laughs) more yards and more touchdowns. But Tua is there. And it's interesting to look at the top quarterbacks in the league and the top teams in the league because Tua is number two behind Cousins, who is an outlier, no doubt about it. His teams have been behind a lot. Patrick Mahomes is third. Jordan Love is fourth. This is touchdown passes. Uh, Then you have Justin (laughs) Herbert. Uh, You have Josh Allen up there in the top seven. It's amazing to see the um, the level of importance of the quarterback when you see what Tua is doing for Miami and then you look at their division mates the Jets I'm absolutely convinced that if the Jets would have had Aaron Rodgers against the Patriots on Sunday they would have won the game yeah I mean you that's why that that position is that important that's why people trade up in drafts you don't often see people trading up for defensive tackles you you see them trading up for quarterbacks impact players maybe an offensive tackle to protect the quarterback but if you don't have one of those guys, you know it immediately. You know that your season is going to be a struggle unless you can run the ball effectively, play great defense. But I think that the the style of play that we have now in the NFL, you have to have a guy that can get the ball to your receivers and guys that can make plays. And I look at the luck that you need, and we know it better than anybody here because of Kurt Warner. But... Two quarterbacks went ahead of Tua. That was the Justin Herbert draft, mm. and uh, who went first in, in that draft? That, that when Kyler Murray, was it? I don't remember. Was it Trevor Lawrence? No. Trevor, yeah, it was T-Law. It was yeah. T-Law, Herbert, and, and Tua. So Tua goes first, uh, third among the quarterbacks in that draft. Jalen Hurts goes in the second round. That's another. That's the second mm-hmm. of the 3-0 teams in the NFL. And then Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, is the other 3-0 quarterback in the NFL. So much of having a good quarterback is based on luck. It really is. It's it's based on luck and also evaluating is a big part of it. But I think that you guys touched on it there. There's a huge difference. And believe me, I know as a Titans fan, with all that we have suffered with quarterbacks over the years, it's like the Steve McNair curse. We just haven't been able to find a, any sort of decent quarterback since him. And he was absolutely a Titans legend. But a huge difference between just a good-ish quarterback and an elite franchise quarterback. And it's a quarterback league, and that's what's working out with that. I think the Zach Wilson conversation is interesting because I have seen some people on social media want to attribute more to the O-line, even coaching. But I don't know, guys. I don't feel confident in him right now. I don't don't feel confident in him. I know that CD that you talked about, Joe Namath, and he had some comments on Zach Wilson that he needs to go. Here's what he had to say about that. How can a coach say the locker rooms together. How many teams have we been on? Are you telling me there aren't some cats on the defensive side saying, whoa, man, what's wrong with you? Yeah, there's not all harmony in the locker room. And if there is, they need to get rid of the people. You gotta get people in there that are competitors and wanna fight to win. These guys don't have to be in love with each other. And if, they, if they're saying they're in love with each other, they're BSing you. And you got to get rid of them, top to bottom. Send them to Kansas City to back up against somebody like Mahomes. Maybe it learn something. Oh, I think that maybe that plan. was the plan. That was, <laughs> the, was plan. the plan. Right. Well, not Wait. Patrick Mahomes, but, no. you know, with Aaron Rodgers, yeah. they, they were supposed to do that. What did you guys make of that takeaway? I, I think he is spot on. And I think he's telling the truth. And I think oftentimes – 
you know, what happens in the locker room, we we try our best to keep things in-house and not let the media know what we're actually feeling or thinking. But if you have any idea, if you have any clue or any common sense, you know that that locker room is not great right now. They no. have a they went into the season with expectations to win the division, be a playoff, make a deep playoff push because they had Aaron Rodgers, a, a four-time MVP uh, quarterback that was coming in and going to lead that offense to success. And then he goes down in the first game, and the guy that they drafted number two overall a few years ago is not good enough to get the job done. So now you're putting stress on the defense. You're putting stress on the receivers because they can't get the ball. You see Michael Carter, who is the third running back, blowing up on the mm-hmm. sideline. Garrett Wilson, who is the, the, their star receiver, blowing up on the sideline. Just what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Their offensive line wasn't good enough even with Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. in there. The, the expectation was he's going to be able to get the ball out fast enough. That's part of the reason why Aaron Rodgers is hurt. They, they, they didn't protect him. He got sacked on two of the four passes, two of the four mm-hmm. plays that he was in. So, so th- this is, this is man, nothing you can do about it. Rodgers is a guy that can elevate a team. Zach Wilson is not. Of the guys playing right now, and let's leave Patrick Mahomes out because Patrick Mahomes is above everybody else. He he elevates players around him. He's unbelievable. But who is a guy that can take a lesser team, a mediocre team, and make it better than it really is? Is there somebody that stands out? I, I always looked at Brett Favre as that guy that... He, he, he made players better in, than they were, and then when guys would leave Green Bay, they would never be the same as when they played with him. Is there a guy right now that you see, aside from Mahomes, that is elevating everybody around him? That would be the one I say, because Mahomes, Juju yeah. Smith-Schuster, I don't mm-hmm. even know if he's playing in New England. McCole <laughs> mm-hmm. Hardman, I haven't seen him. Yep. I mean, you got guys, Ty- Tyreek Hill is, is, again, there's an exception to every rule. He's a, he's a star, mm-hmm. a superstar, so you don't have to worry about him. But when guys aren't with that quarterback, Things kind of change for for how well they play and how how well they can perform. Yeah, I agree. I think Patrick Mahomes is always the first one I think of. I think with some of these other guys, I know that you brought up C.J. Stroud the other day and seeing him. I really like him. I I would like to see where that goes. When it comes to guys who can elevate, it's hard to tell right now because I think even with Tua, he has the weapons around him. Maybe you could say, ah, uh, I was going to say Trevor Lawrence. That's, that's still who, uh, that's still early, two, though. They, it's, he did it's it last still year, early. though. Yes, it's and, still I think early. He made guys, better. Yes, that, that's troubling to me, though. That how they're performing right now. Yes, they have a, essentially the same team back on the offensive side, and you add Calvin Ridley. Right. That to me is is a bit troubling. That they are where they are. That you lost to the Houston Texans at home mm-hmm. in the fashion in which you did to a rookie quarterback who, again, is a really good quarterback. But you, you're not supposed to lose that to that team at home when you're supposed to be the best team in your division and you don't win that game. That, that's troubling for me. They got off to a slow start last year, too, and really picked it up in the second half of the season. Now, with Houston improved, and I have to believe that the Titans are going to be better than they've been so far. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on there. Yes, I, yeah. I, Indianapolis gonna, actually gonna be looks, better too, and Jonathan Taylor will be back, so yeah. they actually look really good. Yeah. I just yeah. uh, doesn't Tennessee they're they're going to get some offensive linemen back, aren't they? Hopefully, uh, there's a lot going on there. From yeah. what everything that I was reading, there's a lot going, going on there. Yeah. Dillard's also very concerning to me, but maybe Miles Garrett and the lessons he gave him, he'll be able yeah. to implement that moving forward. But there's a lot that's going on there. I I do think it's interesting just going back to the whole Zach Wilson thing. 
I mean, if he was the answer for that organization, they wouldn't have even turned to Mike White at all last season. You guys remember that? Yeah. I mean, in the offensive linemen were wearing Mike White shirts. Yes, exactly. That you remember a, that. That yeah. says a lot. And I know that Garrett Wilson has, to the press, you were talking mm-hmm. about, that's the right thing to do, trying to keep it behind closed doors. But you even saw on the sidelines that it definitely got to a boiling point for the for the Jets this past weekend. I don't know. I mean, who do you think... I? I know the Bears have also been an issue. Which one, Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, the one that you think that has more of a chance this season? This season? This season. Mm. Who did you say? Zach Wilson or who? Justin Fields. Je- oh, my God. I, I would I, I would still say Wilson because I think he's got – even though DJ Moore is in Chicago, he's all they got. I would say Justin Fields because at least he can run. At least he, if, if it gets bad, he can get out of there. But it, those are two – uh, the Broncos Bad situation. And the, the, the Broncos and the Bears are playing this week, and I have no clue how you decide who's going to win that game. It's going to be a zero-zero tie. Yeah. <laughs> I want you guys to <laughs> a draw, if you will. <laughs> a draw. One, one more thing about quarterbacks: 2020 NFL Draft. If you want to redraft these guys and put them in order, you can. Okay. Mm-hmm. Burrow went first. Tua went fifth. Herbert went sixth. Do you keep them in that order? I'm okay or with you, that. I am too. I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah, there was a lot of people complaining that Tua got picked by the Dolphins and and Justin Herbert, you know, was was picked right after him. There was a lot of Miami fans that had had an issue with that, especially in, going into last year and then times last year where he was hurting, not playing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some complaints, and Justin Herbert was playing at the level that he is. I don't think they're complaining right now. I want to watch and see what happens by week nine of this season because the twenty sixth pick in that draft was Jordan Love. And I want to see how close he gets to those guys. It'll be interesting to yeah. see if he's able to to ascend to that level. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got our rush hour reset, a busy night of Monday Night Football. And your Cardinals are back in action tonight as they head down the stretch. Only six games left, so you better tune in. We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. I was just telling these guys a story from uh, back in the day. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. And, uh, Martin Kilcoin. <laughs> does the best Rick Smith imitation. Rick Smith is the former PR director for the St. Louis Rams, the first guy here. One of the best PR guys I've ever run across. Extraordinarily helpful. He was just, he was the consummate PR guy. And he, he could have been a PR guy for anybody. And he was he told the story. I tell the story. But uh, we, we're in the office one time on a weekday when the Rams are here in 03. And it was right after the government had determined and admitted that the folks in Iraq did not have weapons of mass destruction, and so the attack on Iraq was unnecessary. And uh, Rick Smith says, you know, if I were if I were the presidential spokesman, I'd just get up at the podium and say, look, people, Bushy blanked up here. <laughs> <laughs> just be completely honest about it. We were talking about how bad the PR is oh in Chicago God. with the Bushies. And that's what you do. You just, uh, total honesty. Bushy blanked up here. <laughs> and uh, everybody, in, what, what are they going to, how do you it respond works. to that, right? Yeah, I mean, that one might be a little bit much. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people involved there, a lot of money, a lot of maybe they lives. Don't, lives. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they don't understand that uh, the president has a nickname, Bushy. <laughs> hey, uh, Bushy. Bushy. So anyway, Cardinals are 
playing tonight. They play the Brewers. It is, as Matthew called it, the penultimate series of the season, last road series. You guys know what penultimate means, right? Uh, wasn't that on uh, um, Hunger Games? Oh, <laughs> oh he like sits up. He's ready to go. Wait, what? Wasn't that on Hunger Games? No, it just means second to last. Second to last, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Doogie Howser going for the Brewers. A lot of people picking the Brewers to be in the World Series, by the way, because of their pitching. Pitching uh, Hauser is really good, but the big boys, Woodruff is pitching great. Uh, Corbin Burns is there. Peralta's been great. So Doogie Howser goes against Zach Thompson tonight, 640, with is he the action. doing surgery, too? Is he uh, surgical on the mound? Uh, let me double check. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I'm they had sorry, to use that. It's Adrian Hauser, oh, okay. the 6'3", 242-pound oh. right-hander. Wah, it's not wah. Doogie. Oh. Doogie Hauser was a really good show. A I never really saw. Doctor. I, I never saw it either. There's so many shows really? that I never saw. Are you no. serious? I miss them. Was that he was like a you, he was like, like a kid doctor? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's you were a little just weird, right? Not there I was in working. the 90s. I was Neil Patrick Harris, maybe. Yeah. That, was that, it really? Yeah, it was yeah. Patrick Harris. Oh, okay. That's right, yeah. See? so Was the, he a good doctor? Yeah. Oh, he's a that's like TV show, yeah. He's a good doctor. Uh, we still <laughs> have, <laughs> I like that one. Still have some fun races in, in the wild cards. <laughs> the divisions are, are pretty well done. But wild cards in the American League, the Rays and the Jays are reasonably safe. The Jays up by a game and a half over Houston. So Toronto is a game and a half up. Houston is the third team right now. And they have a game and a half lead over Seattle. So Seattle, Houston, Texas basically battling along with Toronto for the last wild card spot in the American League. And there's still a chance that you could have some wildness occur in the last weekend in the American League West. Rangers two and a half up on Houston, four ahead of Seattle. Seattle pretty much out of it. In the National League... All the divisions are clinched. Atlanta 13 up on Philly. Brewers have clinched. They're six up on the Cubs. And the Dodgers clinched a long time ago. 14 and a half game lead over the Diamondbacks. But the wildness is the wild card in the National League. Philadelphia is good. They're five up on Arizona. But Arizona and Chicago are tied for the second and third spots. Miami is a game behind, Mm -hmm. so they're in fourth. They can still catch up. And the Reds have an outside chance. The Reds will be highly motivated here in St. Louis over the weekend. They're two and a half behind. And, oh, by the way, the Cardinals 14 back in the wild card race. But the Cardinals trying to get to 70 victories. Milwaukee won't be do. They'll just be playing their scrubs. So the Cardinals will probably get to 71 wins, I would think. This is this is a bad place to be in, Randy. <laughs> yeah, it is. We're, we're, we're looking forward to getting to 70, 70 wins. wins. How many yeah. games do they play? 162. Okay. 70 and 92 might be the number. That's It's awful. bad. Yeah, That's it, awful. It's, it, it, it's really we, bad. I'm looking forward to the playoffs. I mean, I know the Cardinals aren't in it. I'm looking it could forward. Be fun. I am looking forward to seeing the Braves. I know they got a couple of pitchers on the IL, mm-hmm. but I'm excited to see this Braves team. I think the the country should be able to October baseball. Yep. They can in. mash. Yes, they, mm-hmm. mash. they got oh, guys. Oh, by the way, you might not uh, because hey, we haven't been pay- playing close attention for a long time. The Dodgers have Bobby Miller and a heavily compromised Clayton Kershaw. Those are their only two starting pitchers. That's yes. it. Everybody else is hurt. Yikes. And, or suspended. Yeah. So they, the Dodgers <laughs> yeah. uh, could be one and out. As great as they've been this season, they could be one and out. Monday Night Football, Eagles over the Bucks, 25-11. to Philadelphia knocks Tampa from the ranks of the unbeaten. Only three 3-0 three and o teams. The Eagles are one of those, along with Miami and who am I leaving out here? The other three and zero. I think that was it. No, it's, uh, is it one more? Yeah, there. Oh, San Francisco. Oh yeah, Niners. Oh, Niners. Yes. 49ers. Yes. Yeah, Game and, bang, uh, Niner game. Joe Burrow, kind of 
looked compromised, uh, but Burrow and the Bengals beat the Rams 19-16. The Bengals don't go to 0-3. The Rams fall to 1-2. and and I don't know how the Rams beat Seattle. I don't know how that happened, but the Rams just are not very good. They had a chance to win that game last night. I actually picked the Rams to win. I didn't know how healthy Joe Burrow would be. Uh, they obviously couldn't go down 0-3 to start the season. Now, there's no way. I mean, there's a way, but it had been really close to impossible for them to make the playoffs. So them winning that game, the Bengals did, that was really good for them. But I think the, the Rams are, are a sneaky team. They'll get Cooper Cup back here, uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. I, I think they're better than what they have shown or what people expected. Their offensive be. line is terrible. Yeah, their that, defense that is better than I thought it was going to be. Yes, offensive line is just not good. That, that's a problem. Yeah, you can't block. No, Doesn't I help. No, and going back to the Joe Burrow thing, and I know you touched on it earlier, but do you think is there any concern with a calf injury because it was obviously hampering him? I like that he wanted to go out there and compete, but do you think this is something that could come back and haunt him later on in the season? Uh, if he didn't re-injure it last night, I don't think it'll be a problem. I think the more you go through it, it's going to it's going to be sore. It's going to hurt. I've played with a calf injury. I, I popped the calf on a Sunday game and played. I was able to start practicing on Friday. So it just depends on the body. It depends on how mm-hmm. well uh, you can heal. And each week that he doesn't re-injure it, he gets a little bit better, even, even if he is playing on it. Yeah. Popping a calf sounds terrible, it by was. the way. Oh, man. <laughs> that's well, remember, that's, that's what a, Aaron Rodgers dealt with during the entire offseason. It's awful. Ugh, yeah. That sounds absolutely awful. He's <laughs> just running. Ta- oh, yep. okay. What's that? <laughs> we have Blues hockey tonight here on 101 ESPN as they take on the Columbus Blue Jackets in preseason action. Jerbs, Jerbs, uh, Curbs and Joey will have the call. Jerbs and Coey. Jerbs and Coey. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll I have love the call. that. We, we have to tell them that that's their new broadcast Jer- game. Jerbs and Gerbs and Gerbs, okay, Gerbs, right? Yeah, Gerbs and Coey. I love that. Yeah. Okay, what do we do for Chip and BT then? And oh. Jim, every once in a while, he's Uh-oh. in there. Uh-oh. That's tough. I figured that out already. No, I don't Ron Champ and Ron Champ. There Champin, you go. Ron Champ and Brick. Ron Champ and Brick. I mean, yep. we figured yes. this out already. Yes. Yeah. What was Paul Rudd's name in that movie? Oh, was he? Um, I don't oh, my remember. gosh. I know the textures will remember. In uh, Anchorman, he was a. Uh, Brooke is Brian Fantana. Uh, Brian yeah, there you go, Brian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was going to say yes. Kenneth Noisewater, but that's, 60% that's, of the that's time, from the movie. All the time. That's yeah. so good. <laughs> Kenneth so, Noisewater is one of his nicknames. Yeah. So is Jimmy the Cat Hayes? Brian Fantana? Uh, Yeah, I can, yes. Uh, yes. Brian Fantana. <laughs> yes. Okay. I feel like J- Jimmy's more champ. So B- BT wouldn't be Brian Fantana, though. I, that actually kind of lines up. It does? I, okay. Do you like it? Okay. BT saying 60% of the time it works every time, like his curveball yep. or whatever? I don't know. Yep. Or change up whatever he's throwing? I don't know. Yep. And then Alexa is obviously Veronica Corningstone. Yes. Okay, we've, we've got a setup yes. here. This is we good. do. Very easy. Uh, that was a rush hour reset for you here on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we're going to talk to, speaking of Cardinal broadcasters, our buddy Mike Claiborne from Claibs Online. He joins us every Tuesday. Can't wait to hear his voice next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One, two, three, four. Randy Carricker and Mike Claiborne joins us now on the opening drive. We've enjoyed the visits with Mike every Tuesday. It's great to have you with us, sir. How are you? 
I'm doing well, doing well. Uh, Counting down the days before it's over with. Uh, have you f- decided to forego this uh, last trip to Milwaukee? Uh, yes, uh, I am not there. Um, I got a little medical procedure I have to undertake, and uh, that that will keep me on the shelf for a while. Would if you were healthy, would you make the last trip to Milwaukee? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I'm one of those guys that like to see it through. And, you know, I, I think one of the reasons why, because, you know, I like the guys we have on the team. I like the people I work with. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of want to go down on the ship together. So I, I would probably go. Yeah, you're a, you're a gamer. Hey, Mike, uh, when, when we had the 1990 season, you remember it well because good friends of ours, like Bernard Gilkey and Ray Langford and, and Brian Jordan came up. And at least at the end of that season, I felt like, okay, this team is really bad, but I, I see a great future. Do you, and I see some future here. I, I like a lot of the, the young Cardinal players, led by, obviously, Walker and Wynn. But this feels different to me because that was a full rebuild. How do you feel about this club right now? And granted, there's going to be changes. But heading into 2024, this group of players taking the field in 2024. Well, it's, it's a, that's a good question because I, I think you have – some budding stars that still need some work. And then you have a lot of guys who all do the same thing, you know, whether it's Edmund or Donovan or, you know, you look at guys who are interchangeable, um, you know, you have to say, all right, how many of these guys do we need? The other thing is you have to think about, are are these guys going to make you better? So that means you're going to have to shake it up a little bit and move some players and and bring in some people who you think can make you better. Now, that doesn't mean these guys can't play. But I think you have to look at, you know, how much better are we going to be if we bring the band back? And I don't think you're going to be good enough. So you're going to have to make some adjustments somewhere along the way. And obviously pitching is where it starts. And, and yeah, I know we talk about um, getting some, some front-end rotation. I think you better get some back-end bullpen. Because mm-hmm. if I'm a pitcher and you're recruiting me, I'm going to ask you two questions. Who, what do you have in the bullpen and who's catching because you know nobody wants to go out and spend six or seven innings, give your team a chance only to have a bullpen and give it back. And I think you have to be very honest about that. And you know, you look at Philadelphia; they had what three or four closers in their bullpen. So if you're a pitcher with Philadelphia, you say, if I can get to the seventh, this thing is a wrap. And I think you have to have that mentality as you sell what you're trying to do for 2024. And I, and I bring up the catching. You know, Wilson Contreras got off to a rough start. He's gotten better. Andrew Kisner, and I said I said this to you guys earlier. Had Kisner and Herrera played this well last year, Wilson Contreras might not be here. You may have invested that money into something else. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But both of those guys did a really good job. Uh, you know, now they didn't play every day, but when they did, were called upon, it was a market improvement from last year. So you have to make sure you convince whoever you're going to bring in, especially if it's a free agent, this is a guy who's going to catch, and and here's why we think he's going to be better than he was last year. So those are the two things you have to do. And then I think the other question is, where are you going to get pitching? I mean, it's not like there's a big tree in the backyard of a bunch of free agents. Uh, There's not a lot of guys that teams are looking to move because as you look at the game, the game is starved for pitching. At, at a relieving level and certainly at the starting level. So teams aren't apt to give up something that quickly unless 
they're a team that doesn't feel like they're going anywhere and they have a commodity and they might be able to get something really juicy in return. So you, you'd have to look at those teams first and say, boy, you know, if this guy was in our uniform, he might be a better pitcher. And those teams might be willing to do business with you, but contending teams aren't going to be moving guys. Yeah, I think that that's a very fair point. We were talking about this, too, the past couple of days about when you're looking at pitching, obviously you're going to still have to go out and get some so that you're not in the same situation going into this season. But do you, how do you feel confidence-wise about the pitchers available that you have in the minor league system, too? Do you think that some of those guys will be ready to make that jump for next season if called upon? Well, you know, we didn't see them this year. And that's an indicator. <clears throat> now, Grisefo is a guy that a lot of people think can come in and be part of your bullpen. But he's a rookie. And so you know, I think you need more experience. And the other thing I would do, Brooke, you know, there's two things, two other things I would add. I would add experience on the ball club. And I'd go out and get me a rusty nail, a guy who's played a little bit, who has no problem, you know, letting these young guys know, hey, look, man, this is how you have to get it done or challenge people to be better. We haven't had that in a while, and I think it's something that's missing. So I'd get a rusty nail, and I'd get more experience in the bullpen. Clay, are there any concern about the injuries, the amount of injuries, specifically Nolan Arenado, who uh, is on the IL with back spasms? It seemed to me like he was dealing with back issues all season long. Do you have any concern there? No, not really. I, I think that's just wear and tear. Uh you know, he played with that for a lot of the season, especially when the Cardinals tried to make that one last run before the deadline. You know, those guys really tried to load up and, and go hard. Uh, I just think it's just wear and tear. I'll I, I tell you, Terry, you mentioned the back. I'd be more concerned about Nolan Gorman, who's 23, who's already having back issues. That, that would be a more yeah. of a concern. I think you have to make sure you get him squared away also. But yeah, I'm not worried about the, the Arnados and the Goldschmidts. Those guys take good care of themselves physically on and off the field. So that, that would not be as big of a concern as some other people. Claims, uh, I was just uh, I was doing a search for the 1989 and 90 Cardinals, and I came up on the, uh, the Frank DePino-Mark-Grace fight. Better fight, uh, DePino yeah. and Grace or Will Clark against our middle infield? <laughs> well, you know, that they both have backstories. Back you know, the, the San Francisco Ruckers, remember, that really kind of started on Friday night mm-hmm. with Roger Craig and Whitey, and it just kind of escalated into Sunday, and Scott Terry decided he was going to get his tags in, and one thing led to another. But that was a good one. And you remember, Randy, they had the, the Cardinals used to have this charity event called the Barbecue. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Barbecue was that night. And there were more swollen lips and, and <laughs> lumps on players' heads. And I remember Jack saying, Jack Buck said, this is the only time a guy can come home with scratches on his back and his wife will forgive him. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. By the way, it's funny, I was just telling these guys yesterday because it was that ruckus against San Francisco where Whitey said, remember Vince stole a base up by seven or right. something like that, yep. and Whitey said, if they promise to quit hitting home runs, we'll promise to quit stealing bases. Stealing bases. Exactly. <laughs> and he and Roger were never on the same page. I mean, here we have these – they weren't middle-aged guys. They were seniors mm-hmm. out there scuffling, which was hilarious. Yeah, the two managers and, were going at it. Nice. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, oh, and the other guy. one was Mark Grace was a rookie, and some, there were some issues between he and Topino. And I think Topino wanted to remind him he was a rookie, and he threw with Gracie late. 
and Gracie went and got him, and then we had all hell break loose on that day. And I've talked to Gracie about that story a couple of times, and he just kind of rolls his eyes. He said, what was he thinking? He didn't think I was going to come get him? You know? So, I mean, and those are the things. You know what? It's funny because we don't see that as much. And let's face it, none of these guys can really fight. I mean, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so fun to watch Pedro Guerrero basically saying, hold me back, hold me back. Yeah, hold me back. Yeah. Make sure you get a good hold on me now. Don't, don't let me go. That's amazing. I mean, we just don't see that very much anymore. And not that I'm advocating violence at the ballpark, but I think sometimes this is a game of messages. And if you don't let another team know that, you know, you're here for the long haul, I think they kind of come in and break up your furniture a little bit too much, and, and we see that a little too much these days. And claims I have to laugh because I'm thinking about our late great friend Mike Shannon, who said, "Hey, let it just be like a hockey fight. It's one on one. If a third guy's in, he gets thrown out, but the umpire lets the hitter go out to the mound, and those two just go at it until they're worn out." And you know what? Here's the thing with that: we never have another fight. No, if that was the way rules were taken, because none of these guys really want. I mean, again. It's that hold me back mentality. Now there's a handful of guys that would probably want to go get somebody, uh, but I think they look at the box score and see who was pitching first. I mean, <laughs> you know, they're not running out on Gibson. They're not running out on Randy Johnson. You know, we saw what happened when uh, Ventura ran out on Nolan Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, those guys. There just aren't that many guys like that anymore. No. I remember. You remember the when the Cardinals beat the Braves in Game Five. And Ronald Acuna Jr. was just killing the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, we couldn't get him out. And Flaherty drilled him. I mean, he, he, he the score was like 11 to 1 or whatever. And Flaherty drilled him. And, you know, he came off the mound as if he was coming to get the next baseball and basically say, Here I am. Yeah. And Acuna was writhing in pain so much. He's like, That's ah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I, I'm good. You know, but we don't see that anymore. And, and it's kind of a lost art. Uh, but I think it's still part of the game. One last question for you. Adam Wainwright, obviously we're saying goodbye to him and his long Cardinals career this weekend, a Cardinals legend. What do you think is more likely? Will we see him at the plate or on the mound this weekend? Well, I'm going to hide his glove. That's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm going to hide his glove. (laughs) Good. And I'm going to let him pinch it. Hmm. I'm going to let him take one more step to the plate and let him pinch it. Now, the, the kicker is if you're the pitcher, and now all of a sudden you're part of this. How do you react? How do you react? Do you you, you don't throw at him? I mean, he's, he's Adam Wayne, right? He's just trying to have some fun. But you got to bear down on him. The yeah. Reds will have something to play for too, Mike. The, the Reds will have uh, almost certainly have something to play for. They'll still be alive, I would guess, by the time this starts. Yeah, and and that's the neat thing about the last day of the season. Everybody starts at the same time. Uh, but you're right, Cincinnati. They 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 have a glimmer of hope. But, you know, let's face it, uh, they have something to play for. And, you know, if you're another team, you say, well, wait a minute. I thought you put a professional effort out there. You, you're putting out a guy who's a pitcher at 42 years old who hasn't, hasn't had a bat in his hand in a couple of years. So what are you doing here? So there's a lot of, lot of underlying issues that come with it. But the first and foremost thing is I'm hiding his glove. That is no longer pitching. You can do all anything else you're doing. Take the lineup card out. You want to coach third, third base. You want to. I don't care what you do, but you're not putting a glove on. All right. Claves, one more thing before we get to Claves Online. I'm going to interview Mel Gray later today for our TV show that runs on Channel 2 on Sunday night. 
Um, and if you have, if you're driving around and you don't know who Mel Gray from the St. Louis Football Cardinals is, just do a YouTube search. I implore you to do a YouTube search because Mel Gray was in the '70s. What Tyreek Hill is right now. Your favorite Mel Gray moment? Boy, I guess the phantom catch would be one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way he could he could turn defensive backs inside out, and you have to remember he and Cliff Branch were both running track at Missouri, and, and Cliff was at Colorado. I mean, these two guys were the fastest people in the country at that point as far as football was concerned. Uh, he was truly a deep threat. Not a big man at all, but, you know, he was tough as Bob Ryan. I remember, remember that year he was playing with a broken nose? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, he, he, was, he was tough, man, but he was as fast as any player I've ever seen. You know what I loved is he he caught touchdown passes against Dallas, and there would be Charlie Waters and Benny Barnes prone on the ground, and Mel would run back to him and just spike the ball with their heads right between them. They, they're laying there like they've been pillaged, and Mel would just run up and just spike the ball between them. I mean, it was a real bitter rivalry. I mean, you know, the Cardinals didn't have a lot of success against the Cowboys, but when they did, they had no problem having a parade float to, to celebrate. It, it was it was a lot of fun back then. All right, this is a great time of year. So many sports going on. What do you have going on at Claves Online? Well, we have a really good podcast. Uh, it's still up with Carl Reed, a uh, longtime coach here in St. Louis. Uh, he works with twenty four seven as a scouting service. Tuss is talking about the game and where it's headed in football. Uh, also, we're going to have. Uh, um, Bob Nightingale, we'll wrap up Bob Nightingale as far as the regular season. That'll be on Thursday. Uh, the Daily Cards of Rammer and Rocchio, that's every day. That's always fun. Or Roderick, rather. Uh, that's always fun. Dr. Rick will be back next week, and the podcast will begin again with him with sport, regarding sports medicine. And coming to a podcast near you, Cedric the Entertainer and I had a good visit the other day. And uh, we're going to drop that here in the next couple of days. And uh, we, we cover a lot of things. Awesome. We always love your work. We always love having you on, Michael. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. And uh, can we do one more uh, next week? We'll do a, a well, we, you can come on whenever. Man, we, we, we love having you every Tuesday. Well, once I get, get this other procedure squared away, I told Carrie, I'm going to just come in and sit there one day. I can't do a lot of movement, so I'll just sit there and get in the way. We'll do it. Have a great day. Take care of yourself, man, and we'll see you soon. You got it. Take care. Thanks, Mike. Uh, that's Mike Claiborne with us on 101 ESPN. I'm watching Mel Gray highlights right now. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, I'm distracted. Yeah, was, 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 already going. He was something. He was just. It, he really was Tyree Kill. If you if that Tyree Kill game against Tampa a few years ago, that was Mel Gray. Hmm. Coming up next, the Blues are heavier this year. Does that mean better for Craig Berube? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We talked to, to the coach a few weeks ago, and I, I think that he would like to get back to being more of a forechecking team. Um, you know, not dump and chase necessarily. I mean, you know, that's sort of old school. But when you, when you don't have a play to be made at the blue line, get it in and forecheck and wear teams down. I, I think that's what the Blues would like to do is to get back to more of their identity, which is to be a bigger, heavier team. 
That was John Kelly earlier today here on 101 ESPN. And if you look at the Blues roster from the beginning of last season to now, Alexei Toropchenko added 222 pounds. Oscar Sundquist brought back 220 pounds. Kevin Hayes brought in 216 pounds. Sammy Blay brought back 206 pounds. Jake Neighbors added, expected to be a full-time player, 201 pounds. The Blues have so many more 200-pounders than they had at the beginning of last season. And it is a much bigger Squad. It's much more like the 2018-2019 team that featured especially that fourth line. You could even tell just the size difference between the two teams, especially last season. And nothing against Jordan Cairo or even Robert Thomas. I don't know how much Robert Thomas weighs specifically, but Jordan Cairo specifically, there he is a lot smaller than you would notice than some of the other guys. But... He's meant to be a goal scorer. He's quick. He's speedy. It seems like last season that they were trying to move things more in that direction. But with Baruby specifically and making this all come together and work like it did in that 2018-19 season, you also have to play to what Craig Baruby likes. He likes those physical tough guys. I remember specifically that fourth line in 2018-2019 for the Blues was feared. They, they were, were tough. They were relentless. They were tough guys. And it feels like you need more of that. So that's what I hope that they're getting back to more this season. Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic has an article out right now, and the title of it is Blues Going Back to the 2019 Playbook in the 23-24 season. Bring in the big bodies. So that plays into exactly what you guys are talking about there. Having that size, I think, matters because what did we talk about last season with what we felt like was missing? That physicality, that physical present presence. I don't feel a lot of teams came in and feared the Blues mm-hmm. necessarily from a physical standpoint. I think that was one of the questions that we had all season. Were they trying to transition away from the heavier style of play and, and be more up-tempo, quicker, Not guys not being as physical? And it didn't work. It was like they were in between and they weren't good at either. And so mm-hmm. now I feel like you know you having bigger guys on the ice, guys that are more physical, guys that are willing to use their bodies. That was one of the main complaints that I had. It's like they're just there. Mm-hmm. They're not being physical. They're not hitting guys. They're not being physical on the boards. They're not forechecking. They weren't doing much of anything defensively that made that team great. And you're looking at at everyone. And Jordan Bennington is playing his butt off, but he's giving up four or five goals. And you're like, how is this happening? <laughs> Why right. is this yeah. happening? Well, the guys in front of them aren't doing their job well enough. And so hopefully, you know, with the addition of Mike Weber and and a different philosophy defensively they will be more physical more willing to use their bodies and and get guys from we, we talked about it. they just were sticking their stick out mm-hmm. just i'm gonna stick my make put put your body on them yeah, but, <laughs> and that's the thing those guys that we just brought up they're uh, torpchenko and sunquist they're bangers kevin hayes has the ability to be a banger blay is a banger neighbors when he's at the top of his game is going to be you look, go back to last year at the beginning of the season you had Tarasenko, 228 pounds, but nobody ever confused him with, with being a banger. Uh, Torovchenko wasn't here at the beginning. You had Logan Brown, who was always hurt and never really lived up to that banger mentality. And uh, then uh, Noel Achari, who really wasn't that guy. This team right off the bat seems to be a lot more potentially physical than that group did at the beginning of last year. Yeah, and I think out of that group that you've enlisted, I think Noel Acharya was about as close as you got Mm -hmm. to a physical presence or threat out there on the ice that you needed to see. But it did feel like last season you were just waiting for one of those guys to step up, especially when it came to the fourth line. And now when you look at some of the guys you brought in, I know some people might say, well, why would you bring back Oscar Sundquist? He's not exactly maybe a highly touted player necessarily, but I think he fits into exactly what Baruby is looking 
looking for. And you can already tell. I mean, it, we were talking about it with John Kelly earlier. He wants to be here. Even sometimes in those situations, the want to be there because you know you're going to get the best out of this player. Kind of like what we saw with Verona last season. And you hope that Verona will be able to continue that. And Kasperi Kapanen, too, is that they will be able to, they want to be here because they mm-hmm. have a lot to prove. You kind of need that chip. It felt like mm-hmm. that was missing so many times last season. And the biggest thing, this is going to be hopefully a more physical and threatening fourth line, which I feel like is a part of Craig Berube's coaching DNA and something that he really likes to see from his guys. Because, look, I don't expect Jordan Cairo to go out there and be a physical threat. That's no. not what he's there for. But you still need to have more of those guys because it was lacking last season. Yeah. And you mentioned – sorry, no, uh, you, you mentioned – I, I cut it off at 200 pounds, but Schenner is 199 pounds, and Kappen is 194, and those are two That's more two guys pounds. that will four-check for That's you. 200. That's yeah. 200 pounds. Yeah, by, yeah, by, by, yeah counts. by October, November, <laughs> after Thanksgiving, it's 200 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guys that are, are will. I think it's about just the will to do so, though. I think, you know, even with Kairou, he's not going to be that physical presence, mm-hmm. but is he willing to do the job that is presented to him and, and not just, you know, kind to take the defensive end off, not be willing to not forecheck. You have to be willing to do some things that are uncomfortable to your game for the team. And so how much is he willing to do that? And if he's not, that, that's why you have captains. That's why you have guys in that mm-hmm. in that locker room that are willing that have to be willing to tell you, hey, we need more from you in this area. You're scoring. You're doing a great job. You're you're doing all of the things offensively. We need more from you in this area for this team to be successful. Yeah, I mean that's that's all you need to see. And it seems like Braden Shin has already made that clear that now with the C that he is going to be even more vocal and make sure they don't have where you're starting the season off where this this group is not able to come together. But so far, I do like what I see. I think there's still a lot of questions of what this group will look like defensively, especially with you know some changes to the coaching staff. But hopefully things will be trending in the right direction. And I'm sure Baruby's a lot happier having some more physical guys, bigger guys out there, which is more of what he likes. I wonder if it was just like eating him up, just just gnawing at him, not having, like, what are we doing? Yeah, totally. Well, what are we, why yes. are you, he, he's right there. Put your body, what are yeah. we doing? Well, and he, what do you always talk about? It, he, the lack of compete. Yes. With, with yes. Oscar Sundquist there and with a guy like Toropchenko, with that fourth line that they're going to have, if you have Sammy Blay on the fourth line, you got a lot of compete there too, a lot of, a lot of want to and a lot of will. So hopefully that will be the case and you can hear tonight blues and blue jackets here on 101 espn next up we're going to head down the stretch with rock and roll here on the opening drive you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn presented by dobbs tire and auto centers it is time for rock and roll at espn.com bill Connolly has put together a ranking of the 27 undefeated college football teams washington he's got as the number one undefeated team georgia two ohio state three Michigan 4, Oregon 5, Mizzou all the way down at number 19, just ahead of Kansas. Who did, who's Kansas beat so far? Um, let's see. Oh, they, did, uh, they did beat BYU 38-27. So, Why is Mizzou so low? Uh, they're the second to lowest Power 5 team. Hmm. But Washington State legit, Kentucky legit, Louisville legit, Syracuse, North Carolina, Duke. I think those are all teams, Utah, that you would say, okay, if they were to play, those teams would be favored over Mizzou. Louisville, Miami, USC, 
USC's number 10, Florida State number 9. This is all undefeated teams. Yeah. Penn State, Oklahoma, Texas is 6th. So, and then after after Mizzou, it's a bunch of, uh, aside from Kansas, uh, it's a bunch of non-power fights. Marshall, Georgia State, James Madison, Liberty, Fresno State, Air Force. Oh, Maryland is at 21 from the Big Ten. And then... Um, and then KU is number 20. Hmm. So there you have it. That's the, the current ranking. But uh, he does point out, Bill Connolly, his uh, description. The first of Mizzou. The Missouri of the first two weeks dilly-dallied, created almost no big plays, and nearly lost to Middle Tennessee. The Missouri of the last two weeks has a nearly Washingtonian, and they're number one, 16 gains of 20-plus <laughs> yards and has beaten both defending Big 12 champ Kansas State and AAC contender Memphis. With a win at Vanderbilt on Saturday, the Tigers would play in one of the biggest games of Week 6, a home game against LSU. The buzz is increasing. That's what he writes. Okay. So if you nice. beat LSU, got to be Vanderbilt first. Okay, well uh, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm 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 overlooking Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. very well established football program. Um, and uh, you see, I can I can admit that. I, I can admit that. The, definitely, Vandy's known for its baseball. Tim Corbin yep. over there, the Vandy boys, fantastic basketball, even too. And then football's there. Um, we did have Jay Cutler. Yeah. Coming from there's there's that uh-huh. there's I don't know I was he's, trying to think of some yeah, positives was, I know he's not Purdue there currently but I'm trying there. to say Purdue had Drew Brees yeah I, mean, I know it's yeah. um but yeah you beat LSU you beat Georgia because I think Rocchio thinks that Georgia is not that good is that what you think no that's what Kirby, that, like that's what Kirby Smart apparently thinks everyone thinks about Georgia despite them being ranked number one the entire hey year you gotta you gotta create some sort of edge you gotta create something to get okay. your guys going if, if like, the Tigers beat LSU. They will not, even if they beat LSU, they will not be favored at Kentucky the following week. Hmm. So, on the road at, at Lexington, no, they aren't going to be favored. So I, I've just, those those were some interesting uh, numbers you had there. I, I don't, <laughs> I mean, Missouri is supposed to be they're undefeated. They it are undefeated. be much higher than... 19th ranked. 19th out of all 27 undefeated teams. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Not all of those teams. They should be. I mean, Louisville is. They're not in the SEC. I mean, Kentucky could get mollywhomped by both Florida and Georgia. But then they'd be angry, wouldn't they? Yeah, but I'm just I'm just talking about the betting line. Like that. That's what I'm just. That would honestly. That would honestly surprise me if it's if it's that big of a. A number in their favor. I mean, unless they sh- if they show up against Georgia, you're absolutely 100 percent correct it's at Georgia. Yeah. So if they if they make it if they keep it within three touchdowns, I think you're probably right. Yeah. That that gets you a lot of respect when you're, when you're that close. Yeah. So, um, I, I think my my thought process about Mizzou for many years has been should be thrilled with nine and three and eight and four. It's basically a seven and five, eight and four program. And if you go nine and three or better, should be thrilled with that because that's what they are. And that's history. That's I'm not looking forward. I'm looking back. And heck, we went 13. We because it's my state school. 13 straight losing seasons. So based on that rationale, I'm saying that if they go eight and four this year, I would be extremely happy. And maybe you'll have that odd run to the championship game like they did four times under Gary Pinkle, twice in the Big 12, twice in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you just take your chances once you get there. Okay. What if you go? Sorry, Carrie. No, if, you, if you go through the schedule right now, because I know we did it at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season. Let's go through it right now. So Mizzou, Vandy. That's a win. Win. LSU, Mizzou. That's a loss. Okay. And then Kentucky. I think that's a loss. 
South Carolina. That's a win. Georgia. Probably a loss. Tennessee. I think that's a coin flip right now. I don't think Tennessee's as good as they've been last. It'll be interesting to see where. I mean, that's November 11th. Uh, It's going to be at Tennessee. Isn't it? No, Uh, they're here. It's 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 in Columbia. No, it's a yeah. They played at Tennessee last year. Yes. And then you have Arkansas. And that should be a win. So eight was it eight Eight or nine? Eight and four. I think every team. Well, I say every team. I think teams like Mizzou and Illinois should strive to be Iowa mm-hmm. in yeah, terms yeah. of seven to eight wins, eight wins every single year. Mm-hmm. On the chance that you have a really good team, you get 10 or 11. And that is when you are fighting for, in Iowa's case, the Big Ten Championship, Mizzou's case, the SEC Championship. You you have to... You know, they're in the East, so probably it's going to be tough. But either way, that's what you should be striving for. The notion that Illinois or Missouri is going to be a perennial 12-game winner not is, be a is absurd. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not. I, as an Illinois former player, mm-hmm. have come to grips with that. There are a lot of Mizzou fans. There's one sitting in this room that's who ridiculous. has not come to no, grips with ridiculous. that. That's ridiculous. Am, I'm wrong. Of course, I've come to grips with that. I don't think so. I've been, I've been, ex- I, you've literally called me negative on here before because I, I talk about how that. Mizzou's never going to win a national championship. And you're like, oh, well, I guess you're not a real fan. No, I'm just being realistic. Well, but then they're, when they're, they're having a good season, I don't know why we have to just be like, well, I mean, this is a good season, but historically, because why do you the care? Bottom falls why do you out care? Rock? It hasn't, though, yet, Carrie. What did you say? It hasn't, what? It hasn't, though. It won't be yet. Thank you. And that's me as a Mizzou fan. And that's me as a Mizzou fan right there. Yet. Yet. You said yet. I know I did, because I'm a Mizzou fan, and I know the history of this program. You're you're darn right it is. Most likely in a way we've never seen before. Here's the other thing. If you're a Mizzou fan, let me put it in a Mizzou fan's perspective. Last year, the Tigers went 6-6, and right? They missed... A 21-yard field goal and fumbled at the goal line. Two games, two plays against Auburn. They should have won. Yeah, the Auburn one. You had a very unfortunate, horrible snap by Kentucky that wound up being a bad call. Mizzou should have had the ball, but and the rule was the rule. And then you have the ball first and ten at the Georgia 37-yard line, but it's an illegal fans hands to the face penalty. You had a chance to go in against Georgia, and you were up by 10 and had a chance to go in and make that a 13-point game, but it didn't happen. Now, that's what happens to programs that aren't blue bloods, right? Mm-hmm. But you're th- literally three plays away from going 9-3 and three rather than 6-6. Six and six. And that is how life goes. It is, right. The the Illinois was 7-1 and one going into Michigan State. Oh, yeah. And yep. that was a Michigan State that the... Uh, the team was suspended. Most of the players, the good players, had been suspended, and and we lost at home. Then we lose to Purdue. Then we lose to Michigan at Michigan, which mm-hmm. was a really good game. Yeah, had, had an opportunity to win. to win. It's what happens. I understand that. Maybe because maybe because I lived it. I actually <laughs> went through this heartache, so and when we went it? ten yeah. and one in the regular season, nobody in the world expected us to go ten and one, other than us. And it was a shock to everyone outside of the locker room. But that's how that's one great season. And perspective is different for we every won the big team. Yep, for for every fan base. And Dan Deerdorf would rail against Michigan fans. He's a Michigan man. 
that complained about Jim Harbaugh winning double-digit games every year, but not beating Ohio State. Yeah. You, you win double Dumbest digits every single year, but you want the coach fired. Well, they can lose every game and beat Ohio State, and they would be happy. They'd be yeah. somewhat happy. It's but, kind but, of like but, what we were well, talking about with The Secret, right? You know, where you speak things into an existence. Not how things this is, work. We're circling it back. Yes, because if that expectation and you speak it into nope, the existence, that Mizzou always yet. continues nope. to fall it's, into this, nope. then it's like it becomes reality at that point, right? I was talking Mizzou football. I was texting with a fellow football Cardinal fan when they had the 28-10 lead over the Giants. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was, hey, the Cardinals are going to win this game. Not yet. Don't say <laughs> it yet because that's just the history of the football yeah. Cardinals. That's the way we are. You got to understand it. Oh, uh, yes. Matthew, anything that we missed here? Did I miss your? Uh, I, I screwed up your entire uh, <laughs> rock and roll. No, segment. no, it's just fine. It into it's, oblivion. I just keep that stuff down the road. It's it's, it's evergreen. Most okay, of it. good. I like there that. No, go. we're all good. Well, we're all a great good. job by our producer, audio hey, engineer, Matthew pleasure. Rocchio. Uh, <laughs> I love this. I'm, it makes me laugh just because yesterday Rocchio tried to tell me that I'm living in the '90s. Is like a Tennessee fan. I'm like, well, I mean, the '90s ended up pretty well for Tennessee. Yeah. I don't know. You know I just join us in the 21st yeah, yeah, century. Yeah. You got to live in what you enjoyed, right? Yeah. How about that? Our, our pro football situation, we're living in the 90s, to early 2000s, right? I, I think so. Look your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? Hey, we've got T-Mac and Ajax coming up with a balloon party, and then BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2, and then the fast lane after that until 6 p.m. Blues pregame at 6 tonight here on 101 ESPN. For all of us. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.